Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Morning, Pod Swafters. It's that time again to release a self isolation bonus episode of Wrestle Talk Extra from our Patreon archives into the free feed. This episode was recorded in December 2018 and is about the controversial ECW December to Dismember from 2006. But, Luke, I hear you cry. ECW went out of business in 2001 and didn't have any other pay-per-views. Well, my simple but brilliantly beautiful friend, this was the WWE revival of ECW that came off the back of two successful one-night stand shows, which we've also done in the Patreon archives. This was supposed to be the first of many ECW-branded pay-per-views in the late 2000s, but it was such a disaster that it not only tanked the revived ECW brand, it also got Paul Heyman fired. So there is a lot to talk about and dive into here. If you enjoyed this episode, we have got hours upon hours and tons of shows in our Patreon archives that you can access by going to patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk and backing at the $5 amount. Anyway, here's Ollie and I talking about ECW December to December 2006 for a few hours. Stay safe, wash your hands, take care. I love you. Goodbye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. 
Shopify.com slash work. Six men will enter. Knowing they will suffer the unimaginable. Torturing their souls, sacrificing their bodies. Confined in a chamber that knows no mercy. Endangering their very careers. Trapped in a structure more extreme than ever. Imprisoned inside the pods, each with a weapon. With instruments of destruction. Metal chair. Robot. Table. Bar. Wire. Baseball bat. They will be detained until only one man is left. Inside the chamber, it's total anarchy. I might not even walk out of this mess. The risk is worth it to me. One man, one mission. Imagine what I sacrifice. It's every man for himself. I am ECW. Become the ECW World Champion. Inside, the time has come to seal their fate. It will be a December to dismember. Hello and welcome to Wrestle Ramble Extra. I'm Ollie Davis and I am joined. On the last episode of 2018, I'm saying that as I'm reaching over to the TV to turn off these annoying Christmas lights, bah humbug, God, there's a lot of settings to press, there it is, and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swaff Nation, hello, $5 and above pledge hammers while Ollie clatters around with some lights, how the devil are you I'm exhausted, mate. <laughs> we have spent... Uh, I, I thought it was a good idea, because we, we've recorded stuff in advance to go up over the Christmas weeks while we're celebrating Christmas with our loved ones. Mm-hmm. And th- not with you guys, I'm afraid. No. If, th- if I, that would be my dream. Just have all the SWAF nation in a big old bed, <laughs> and we'd all snuggle up together like and where the wild things are. And we'll watch Elf. Yeah. I watched Elf last night. And it is, it's, it just stands up. It's, it's good that films can be made and be classics. Yeah. Still. 15 years later, that film just completely stands up and is just, it's so funny. It's so well made. It's brilliantly performed. It's such a great film. Like, I can't think of any Christmas films that have become legend in my sort of teenage adult life. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I'm proud of that one. Mm-hmm. Just when you think, do you have, I mean, this is a very... I don't know how many people have this anxiety, but do you ever think one day they're going to run out of combinations of musical notes and there's going to be no more music? (laughs) Because that's kind of what I felt about Christmas movies. Well, I think in music you'll be fine because the trend is that you just sample songs that came out 20 years previous with a slightly different take on it. Um, so really, all you've got to do is just wait another 20 years and the same songs will be released, but they sound slightly different. So music will be fine. And, and you do and this over the top of it. Yeah. Or, and with movies, they'll just remake movies and we'll just get the same ones over and over again. I feel like we've gone three tangents away from the initial tangent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So we were recording stuff That's right. in advance. And I thought it was a good idea, a time saver, to put all of my scripts in one big chunk. 
and I recorded five videos in a row. Ten four videos. videos. Well. Yeah, that's the problem. Like I've done that before, but this was actually more like eight of those mm -hmm. because they're ten-minute-long videos because we can put more ad breaks in it. <laughs> yes, mate. So yeah, that it destroyed me. It's taken. I feel like I've left a part of me in the SD card. I um, I felt really bad as well because you were watching uh, December to Dismember, the pay-per-view that we're going to be discussing. We'll, we'll get onto that in a little bit. Mm. Trust me, folks. We'll get there eventually. I'm trying to avoid it. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> and you're watching that. And you, I put on some Christmas music in the office because I am festive AF. And I thought, this is really going to brighten up Ollie's day. But you watched some of that pay-per-view. Then you went and recorded for like an hour and you came back in and I was like, aggressively singing songs at you to try and cheer you up and you just said these words I'm too grumpy to be festive it was just it's such a bad show and then you were finishing this show and every now and again because our desks are next to each other but I can't I can't see you because your monitor's in the way and every now and again I just hear you go oh yeah oh come on well, I think that's oh, the... this is awful. And there was a point where I was like, oh, he's definitely watched the worst match on the show. And then you told me what you watched. I was like, oh, that's not the worst bit of the show mm. yet. Well, I, it's just... Uh, it's just like there's nothing really offensively... But there are a few things, but it's not like... I guess it... And it did kill a company, so <laughs> what, what do I know? But it's nothing like... I didn't feel crazily offended or just... Just really insulted by any of the stuff like... In WCW ones we've watched, or the occasional TNA bit, or a frustrating bit of WWE. What was most annoying about this pay-per-view was how, like, mediocre its awfulness is. Yeah, I know, right? It's well, so, like, it's, there's no 10 out of 10 awful. It's just so mediocrely awful. It's so boring. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's stunning and annoying at the same time. I've watched this show four times now. From start to end, I've watched this show four bloody times. In a row. <laughs> uh, so, yes, we are here to talk about ECW. No, I think you should clarify in separate occasions, In right? separate occasions, yes, yeah. I watched it, I watched it live. Um, and Were you excited? No, because I think the writing was on the wall with what was happening in that main event. Was that the previous month's pay-per-view? Okay, <laughs> nice. Um, so yes, we are here to talk about ECW December to Dismember 2006, which won with 33% of the vote, and it was suggested by Dan. So he's won two of these now. Yep, um, I really, and I, I know I'm sighing, but really, I knew this pay-per-view was going to win. When it didn't win last year, which I, I thought I was expecting it to win last year. When it didn't win last year, I was like, it's definitely winning next year. Because we had Armageddon we had 2000 Armageddon next year. And it beat the, high, the second highest... 2001, sorry. It was 2000. Oh, it was. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, the second highest, 2001 would have been Vengeance, which actually was suggested here. Uh, the second highest got 18% of the vote, and it was PG, PG, no, PGW. PWG. PWG. So what did I say? <laughs> PGW. You said PGW. You stopped and you went, let me correct myself, PGW. PGW. <laughs> <laughs> PWG Mystery Vortex 4 suggested by Sean Blanford look at this with Zack Sabre Jr. defending the championship against Marty Skrull Adam Cole versus Chuck Taylor Death by Elbow versus Red Dragon also, oh, on the card, wow. also on the card Pete Dunne versus Matt Seidel and a dream match if I've ever heard one the Young Bucks and uh, versus the Chosen Bros wow so that's uh, that's Matt Riddle and Jeff, Jeff Cobb, Cobb. Blimey. Yeah, it's Sean Blanford uh, suggested a really good PWG pay-per-view for, for September. Yes. And I was like, hey, everyone, 
let's choose this one. And even my voice didn't uh, help us win that. So I I feel like Blamford is gathering steam. Hopefully we'll get there one day, Sean. Far from bland. And in third place was Phil Stopford's suggestion of TLC 2011. Um, which was a show that had uh, a smiley CM Punk defending his WWE Championship in a triple threat TLC against Alberto Del Rio, Alberto Del Rio and The Miz, Daniel Bryan cashing yes. in money in the bank and winning it, and I cannot believe this actually happened in 2011, Triple H versus Kevin Nash. Yes, well this was in the 2011? fallout. This was the fallout of the Punk Triple H Kevin Nash coming back storyline. Even so, man. Yeah, it's crazy. 2011. They had an awful match in 2003. I can only imagine what 8 years of wear and tear had done to it. Was that the sledgehammer on a ladder match? <laughs> it was something like that. Could have been. Uh, well, Phil, the way the film says it goes like there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in that match. I but that that event is actually quite a heartwarming one because I believe Punk of course, retained. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't he win it? Actually, he might. Yeah, well, that's, I, that he was the won start it off of Del Rio. Yeah, that was the start of that. Well, no, Brian... he won it the month previous off Del Rio because he was champion here. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of the previous pay per view. Then Survivor Series. Ooh, or it might have even been before that. That doesn't sound right. No, because Survivor Series was um, Rock Cena in the main event against Miz, Miz and, and R Truth. Yeah, so but that didn't have the title attached to it. No, I know. So it must have been the month before that. By the way, this was like. Because Del Rio, Punk won it at Money in the Bank, we then Del Rio it. won it, we and then Punk won it again, and that was the start of the yeah, 4-3-4 yeah, yeah. day reign. Because um, what, one of these pay-per-views around this time was the really nice one, where Punk won, Brian won, and Zack Ryder won. Yes, and they all posed together Yeah, and, and I was like, it's it's happening. <laughs> it's ha- Oh yeah, Punk was the champion. So that must have been a previous show, so I'm just talking nonsense. Zack Ryder defeated Dolph Ziggler. Oh, so he did win the United States title. Yeah, That's so all, the one where his father's there. Champion. And they were they took a photo together, which was just meant to be... Because Cody was also... He was a tag champ or something, wasn't he? Uh, let's have a look-see. Cody Rhodes defeated Booker T to win the IC championship. Oh, well, there you go. But either way, I knew Cody was... A, no to retain. Because Cody then put out that tweet. Remember, there was, like, there was that image of them all holding their championships. And it was like, for us fans, like, finally, like... We're, we're going in the right direction here. And then I think Zach shared out that image and then Cody shot at him a few years later saying like that was supposed to be like a personal thing for us. And like an absolute idiot, you shared it online. Yeah, that's classic Zack Ryder. Oh. I don't think he did that nefariously. No, he He's doesn't. Like, I've got friends. <laughs> he did. I've got action figures of all of you guys. So Brandy tweeted him today because it's his, it was his birthday like yesterday or something like that. She tweeted him saying, is there anything I can get you for your birthday? And he just texted her back going like, can your husband text me back? Or a match. Just a match. (laughs) Well, Cody always talks about how he'd have Zack Ryder over anyone from WWE. I don't know how sincere that is. (laughs) (laughs) If, like, John Cena rocked up. But anyway, I feel like we're burying the lead here. We are here to talk about ECW December to Dismember from December 3rd, 2006. The theme song for this show is Drowning Pool, Let the Bodies Hit the Floor, (laughs) a song that was popular in 2001. They really got their money's worth out of that license. Yeah, the band had like, I think that he's going to died a few years previous to this. I love the song. Oh, it's a great song. I love the... Yeah, but it was popular in 2000, so 2001 as well. And at times... So's ECW. Well, that's what I was going to say. At times, this does feel like a really sad event Mm. because it feels like you are trying to recapture the magic, only you've not done it as well as you did at the one night stand shows and this is like a really corporate wwe version of trying to recapture that magic and it's just very very sad 
Brian Alvarez. Well, what, what you've just said is encapsulates the entire of this pay-per-view. This is not Heyman's vision. It this is. Wa- uh, really? This show is 100%. The word is this is all Heyman's doing. He booked everything that was on this show. The idea to just promote two matches was his idea because that's what he used to do back in the late 90s. The eliminations and the order of eliminations was also all Heyman. Um, well, because I've read... I mean, I don't want to play my hand, but uh, he wanted Punk to that was, eliminate yes. Big Show early on. And that was, then, yes. so but Vince wanted Lashley. There, so there have always been conflicting stories is that Vince wanted Lashley to win and Heyman wanted Punk to win. But then there are other stories that Heyman also wanted Lashley and he's always wanted Lashley on the ECW brand because he feels like he because he couldn't get Bob Sapp. And that was the guy he originally wanted on the ECW brand. And because he couldn't get Bob Sapp, he's like, well, Lashley's the next ble- uh, next best uh, replacement. Yeah. So, but like, I mean, Brian Alvarez called it. This is, almost without question, the worst promoted pay-per-view in company history. Just wait till evolution, Brian <laughs> Alvarez, where everyone forgot it was happening. Yeah, I like this, uh, where he's got a... Um, uh, Still, on the Sunday prior to the pay-per-view, only one match had been announced. An extreme elimination chamber for the ECW title with Big Show defending against Tass, uh, Test, Sabu, Rob Van Dam, Lashley and CM Punk. Later, they added Eminem versus the Hardys for one night only, a match featuring four guys not on ECW. Huh. Fun fact for you. Eminem as a team are SmackDown guys. Nitro as a single star is on Raw. Jeff as a single star is on Raw. Matt as a single star is on SmackDown. But as a team, I guess they can work anywhere. God, this brand split at this time. Good lord. Yeah. Uh, the day before the pay-per-view, WWE sent out a mass mailing detailing the two matches, and underneath it read in all caps, "All this and so much more." <laughs> well, that's so much more. Was not that much more. <laughs> I think it's like it's like watching the second out the the dead segment of the second hour of Raw for two hours two fifteen hour. minutes. Yeah. Well, and that's unfair because the Elimination Chamber match is well, that's is it. always going to be spectacular. But literally everything else is is mon- 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 monotonous. Well, that's what Brian's point is. That like this is a paper. You've got a small roster as it is. And then you've got your six top guys in the main event. So your undercard is then filled with filler matches mm. so, until you get to that. This is a two-match show, really. And then just so much gubbins in there. But before we get into the show, I know what everyone is wondering. What was the number one film at the box office on the Ooh. week of December 3rd, 2006? <sighs> That's we'll do, late. We'll do US first. Okay, so December 3rd, two, that's, it's a bit too early for a Christmas movie to be released. 2006, what was big in 2006? Ah, oh, man, this is tough. I'm going to say it's a romantic comedy. I'm going to say it's the breakup with Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn. I'm not even sure if that came out in 2006, but it's a good guess, when I suppose. Did it come out? Come out. You carry on. You, well, you reveal it. So in its third week of release, earning 21 million... <gasps> 2006, isn't it? Really? <laughs> it was 2006. Nailed it. Uh, June. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sort of nailed it's it. Got, it's got sort of chilly scenes. <laughs> That's where I went wrong. Uh, no, in its third week of release with 21 million, it was Happy Feet. Huh. By Max Miller, um, who would go on to direct Mad Max. Is that, that that's right? George Miller. George Miller. Yeah. Yeah, I got uh, his most famous creation <laughs> confused with his first name. Uh, and what was the number one film in the UK, also in its third week of release? Okay. With five million. Uh, because it's the UK, I'm going to throw a dart. Four weddings and a funeral. Uh, in 2006. Yep, sure. Yeah, sure. No, absolutely not. Still although, number one. Although a British staple. Okay, okay. It's not 
It's not Love Actually. No. That's I could, too it's, late. It's not a Christmas film. Mm. Yeah, definitely not. I was, I was at school a, when, a when Love Actually staple. came out. A British staple. British staple. So this is like... Um, this is classically British. Uh, did Bo Selector have a movie? No. I don't know. Think of like a British icon. Why did Cher pop into my head? <laughs> <laughs> um, the Queen? No. Tony Blair? No. Uh, I'll, I'll put you out of your misery. Casino Royale? Ah, of course. What a movie that James you Bond. that you think's fine. It is broadly fine, yeah. Oh, man. I was in love with Eva Marie. If Eva I, Marie? Eva Marie. Uh, just in general. And <laughs> Eva... <laughs> Eva, what's her name? Eva Longoria? Eva Long... No, 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 no. No, Eva... She's the Bond girl. I've, I've seen the film once, man. God, this is bad. This is the first... This is the, this is the third time I'm Googling something in 15 minutes. <laughs> Live on air. I think I'm going mad. Eva Green. Eva Green, there we Eva go. Eva Green and her splendid necklaces. <laughs> the splendid necklaces that disappear... Into the, you know, just down there. Into the dress. Where, where there was a lot of stuff on show. There wasn't um, much dress, Luke. <laughs> so what was, and that's also a theme of this show. Well, oh, we'll get to that. Uh, what was number one in the uh, Billboard 100 in the US? So this is... I've never heard this song before. Ah, it'd probably be. Is it a country song? No, it's not. Is it... So Beyonce was a solo artist by this point? Beyonce would be number one the following week. Ah. So that's actually a pretty good shout. Uh, it's a guy, uh, so I'll tell you it's a guy, um, who did a, he was featured in a song that came out in 2006. And I loved the song, but he was the worst part of it. And he actively made me hate the song. And I had to play it because I was on student radio at the time, because I was in my final year university. Featured? Yeah. And I'll give you some more clues. The singer of that song used to be the singer of an uh, indie group in the 90s. Uh, who had a very, very big hit in the late 90s. Well, these are some good clues. Yeah. Uh, I'd I'd love if you, I knew what they were in reference to. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it was Gwen Stefani of uh, No Doubt fame. Uh -huh. Don't Speak was the song I was referring to, featuring Akon. Um, and I can't remember what the song was called, but I hated him on it. Akon. Yes, but anyway, Akon was number one with a track called I Wanna Love You, featuring Snoop Dogg. Oh, Snoop Dogg was in there. Yes. Uh, and then what was number one in the UK? Probably another British staple. So an X Factor thing. No, no that would be released be, several weeks later. Certainly would be. Uh, uh, another British staple. Yeah. Girls Allowed. No. Uh, Robbie. No. Oh, is it Robbie and Nicole? No, it's not. No. But you think, think carry on the Robbie train. No, Take That didn't come back by that point, did take they? Take That. Or, uh, and if it's a comeback single, I know that... Yeah, you and me, we can ride on a star... That, that never with me, never got to number one. No. And that, and that been song's a, a banging tune an as well. It's an absolute mega tune. Yeah. So I'm going to say Shine. No, unfortunately, it's Patience. Can I get a little patience? patience. That was their comeback single. Uh, exciting times living through that mm -hmm. as, a, as someone, as a, as a child who hated Take That. Oh, I was not a Take That guy either. No, no. I, I, I was uh, in my tribe. And I wasn't willing to like anything else outside my small tribe. Mm -hmm. And girls who like take that were stupid. Yeah. I begrudgingly liked Robbie. Mm. Uh, and when he became a solo act. I always liked Robbie. When he became a solo act, I didn't want to like because I didn't like take that. But god dang it he could he could it never wrote any tunes could work a crowd but he could work a crowd funny enough me and my wife were talking about um 
Gary Barlow the other day because it's amazing where Gary Barlow is now in his career, where he is considered to be like a British music legend and he has sold millions of albums around the world. He's revitalized Take That and they're now like really massively popular here in the in Britain and around the world. He's had a play and everything that's made about the band. But during the late 90s, when Robbie left the band, he was the butt of every joke. Do you remember, do you remember the rock profiles? Yeah, um, with Matt did. Lucas. And, yeah. yeah, and they did a uh, Gary Barlow and they were playing... Um, take that monopoly game that he's made <laughs> or take that board game that he's made and it picks it up and he goes robbie williams leaves the bands and f's up your entire career he's really annoyed. he's living in this really dingy flat that's full of cigarette smoke and boxes with all of his unsold albums in it back then it was also acceptable to freely make fat jokes <laughs> <laughs> like he could oh my god the amount of body shaming we all did in the <laughs> in the late nineties, all naughty, early noughties. Yeah. and yeah, he he put on a few pounds, and he did. You know, front pages of national oh, newspapers God, would no. just say, "Gary Barlow's fat, fat Barlow, yeah, take fat." Yeah, take fat. <laughs> That's where they would go with it. Poor old Gary Barlow. <laughs> and then we were watching the X Factor final, and take that were performing. Just ah, like yeah, I watched it too. It was great. And then all of a sudden, like everyone, all everyone's talking about is, oh, "Is Robbie going to get up and sing with them?" And then Robbie does. Pointing to himself, me? Shall I get up there and sing with them? And you can almost feel Gary Barlow going like, I've written every one of these yeah, songs. Yeah. Like, you never wrote a song in your life. And I've worked really hard to get back to this point. And you keep getting up on this bloody stage and taking it away from me. But I think he recognises that Robbie adds... Like, it's it's really tragic <laughs> that... <laughs> Ever, like he needs Robbie yeah. to have all the personality and stage presence. Oh, it is because Gary Barlow, famously boring man. Yeah, but brilliantly boring. Brilliantly right? boring. On um, when he was the like lead judge on the X Factor, he'd sit and go, "That was the most amazing performance hey. I've ever seen in my life." Honestly, I'm I'm moved to tears. Uh, it was so good. So that was, I mean, that's a little bit more inflection than he would usually dish out. But, uh, God, this is really down the UK <laughs> pop culture. This is what people pay. Rabbit hole. So, uh, so sorry, American <laughs> listeners, especially because I don't think Take That ever broke America. Did they not? Neither did Robbie. Uh, oh, Robbie certainly <clears throat> did, didn't he? I mean, the fact that you say didn't he. I would have thought he did. I'm pretty sure he... Not to a massive extent. Man, a man that charismatic must have broken America. Well, he, uh, so in, when Gary Barlow, this is one of my all-time favourite clips to YouTube before I go out. So to Lisa, who was of N-Dub's fame, <laughs> she was also a a judge on The X yeah, Factor. Yeah, Lisa blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they love having people with uh, a, just a modicum of musical skill <laughs> yeah. to be a judge on a, a singing show. Yeah. That, and now Robbie Williams' wife, who, who's never sung in her life. She's an actress. Yeah, and not even a successful she, actress. Yeah. Like, she's never led anything. And she's in charge of, like, all these people's... It's ridiculous. Anyway, Talisa, like, said something bad about Gary's act, and Gary just turns to her, smiles as she's talking. He knows what he's going to say. And he looks at her. She finishes talking. She's done, like, this really uppity criticism. And Gary just goes, I don't know what's worse listening to you say that or your fag-ash breath. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like so uncalled for. He did this and he was so happy with himself. And I was like, you have been working on that insult for four weeks. It is it is it is like watching Gary Barlow in the late nineties eat a cake. That's that's the sort of satisfied God, miss miss fat jokes. Oh man, I miss Talisa. Um 
Anyway, back to Brian Alvarez when he was talking about <laughs> the show. <laughs> back to I don't want to talk about no, this well, member. We've, we've, got, we've, got to get, we've got to get uh, through it. By the way, I cannot say the name of this paper. Uh, you struggled. I just all said this day. member. <laughs> I just said this member to December. Oh my god. <laughs> December to dismember. It's very go. difficult. PGW. Yeah. Um, Brian Alvarez would write, It was sad watching the show. It was clear all the talent from the announcers to the wrestlers knew the writing was on the wall for the brand in its current state. The fans heckled them. It wasn't an old ECW crowd, but it was a pretty hardcore crowd. When 2,300 people show up at a building that seats triple that, mm. those 2,300 are hardcore fans. And they had their favourites. From talking to those live, they were into the first match, the Hardys and Eminem, but as soon as your teacher came out, they just died and it's not like anyone delivered any great wrestling matches or turned the ship around it just got worse they hated it when Sabu was injured and carted out that was a very bad decision so the teacher reference there is Matt Stryker who I must say well, like, really had some ring presence and he had a good gimmick just not for an ACW show Uh, Brian Alvarez would write WWE seemed determined with this show to make everyone sad I mean seriously what was this show's target audience the old ECW fans were going to hate it the new ECW fans were going to hate (laughs) it the Raw audience wasn't going to buy it the Smackdown audience wasn't going to buy it the TNA audience wasn't going to buy it I have no idea what anyone was thinking yeah it's uh I mean, the, uh, apologies to be negative on all this because... Well, that's why there was a push. Sorry, it's going to cut you off. There was mm. a push by Sean Blanford, who suggested that PGW show, to get everyone behind that because he was like, I don't want to hear them just be negative and crap all over a show. That is deserved to be crapped on. This is the lowest, this is the lowest selling pay-per-view WWE ever did. It did abysmal numbers. It was poorly attended. It was poorly received. And it probably will go down in history as the worst pay-per-view WWE has ever put out and asked people to pay $40 to to rent. Wow. God, imagine if you paid that. Yeah, $40. Well, not many people did. But uh, (laughs) $40. And then two weeks later, they had another pay-per-view. And they had another pay-per-view a week prior to this. Like but the was, brand split days oh, with uh, was, brand specific And events. for each one of those, they were asking you to pay $40. Like, of course no one was going to buy this show. Mm. Um, I, I've got a figure here. This was from Wikipedia, though. The event had an attendance of 4,800 people. And before, like, because I was watching it, and I was like, this sounds empty. Yeah. Like, I can see the people there, but it feels like, I can, like you, you know, you're going to hear when people aren't, there's not many people there. Yeah. And, yeah. 4,800 people is low. It's amazing throughout the show where there are pockets of people doing chants. But because everyone else is silent, that pocket sounds like it's the whole audience. Mm. It's, it's, it's sad. You can also hear individual people. Yeah. Which is something you, you, that's very rare. And you can hear single solitary heckles. Yep. Oh, dearie me. Right, okay, so we got a video package that you heard at the top of this episode that's putting over the dangers of the Elimination Chamber, which of course features Sabu. But really, I thought this was the most standard video package. Like, there was almost nothing to say about it. I guess there wasn't much build to stuff, right? Like, you've oh, the only... build, There was a build to the chamber. To the chamber match, sure. But that, and they did that with a video package, but everything else, you know, Eminem and Hardy's was an exhibition match. Yep. Nothing else had been announced. No. So, I mean, if that's true, if and it was Heyman going, hey, I only used to promote two things back in the day. That's like that's it's nice to know that the man's fallible because mm. that is that is extraordinarily short sighted. But I would also argue those things that he used to promote in the 90s had stars. Yes. Here he has got Test and Bob Holly. 
and and they're in the main event <laughs> I know that's what I mean he hasn't got stars to promote here and then we cut to the crowd which doesn't look very big at all and Joey Styles the first thing Joey Styles says is tonight we're going to crown a new champion yes good, good going Joey good going Joey I was like um, am I mixing up my I'm sure Big Show had the title in that video package yeah. was this a new title no. had something been vacated but yeah it's just slip of the tongue from the idiot <laughs> Joey Styles. He does not have a good night here. No. These two give up on this show after the first match. They, I would say that Taz tries during the main event, but I really think these two give up. Well, the, all of the middle is, is nothing, and it is treated like a joke. So Taz, you know, being a, a good, funny guy, he, he just, all right, okay, I'm, I'll treat it like a joke too. Yeah, and just, he does save a few bits because yeah. he's very funny. Yeah, and they like they just like to talk about. After a while, they just start talking about Sabu. For, it feels like they talk about Sabu for a good forty minutes yeah, like, during yeah. two matches. Um, Joey also says that Georgia, which is where this uh, pay per view takes place, will forever be known for the Extreme Elimination Chamber. I doubt that. Um, <laughs> so our first match we've got on the card is one of those actually announced matches, which was Eminem versus the Hardy Boys, which they really set up as like this this dream match that you never thought you would see, but. I don't know, man. Maybe it's because I'd stopped watching for a certain period, but I never felt like Eminem was that big of a deal. No, no. I I was also out at this period. This was about a year before I'd start watching wrestling at all again. Was it, here's the thing. I was watching wrestling yeah. at this point, but I think Eminem was sort of like 2003, <laughs> 2004 maybe. Right. And I got back in 2005. So Eminem, I think, had already dissipated by the time I got into it. Yeah, because they're usually single stars. Yeah. Um, but of course they were with Melina yeah. and watching this at 7am when testosterone is naturally higher upon waking mm. she's a fetching woman <laughs> Batista would agree are they all were they all together because their names have M in M&M. yeah oh, well I think they were given those names so that they could create M&M yeah because it's Melina Nitro and Mercury and they had like the whole red carpet gimmick with that music. oh of course I've written down here Joey Mercury, John Morrison, yeah, no, and Melina. This is Johnny Nitro. Yeah, of course, this is of Johnny course. Nitro, mate. Um, so yeah, so I, I always felt they were, they pushed Eminem as a bigger deal than they really were. Uh, they attacked the Hardys on Tuesday after they beat Sir Sylvester Turkey and Elijah Burke, who we're going to see in action later on. So good job that they beat them on TV. Look forward to that. Yep. Uh, Jeff is the Intercontinental uh, Champion at this point. I've written here Jeff is the IC Tag Champ. Which uh, makes no sense. <laughs> uh, Joey and John come out with these fur coats. Mm-hmm. Imagine this, big pimpy furry coats. John Morrison would continue to wear coats like that. But these ones had many LCD displays <laughs> on with messages scrolling past. Oh, yeah? Did you not see this? I don't know, man. I just, when they come out, I just, I just feel like my... my... I was like three minutes of this pay-per-view already my eyes started to glaze over because I, I never liked Eminem. My eyes were on those and what Melina was wearing. Or lack thereof. Yes. Um, yeah, Justin Roberts introduces the Hardys as Team Extreme, but the name card says the Hardys, so we're off to a great start already. <laughs> um, the Hardys put out this as an open challenge, which Eminem accepted. I'm, I'm sorry, I've got a lot more notes on Melina. <laughs> So Melina does the splits into the ring. Yep. Just wow. wow. Yeah, that was always her interest. Taz, yeah, yeah. Taz loved that. Oh, this is the best part here, Taz. Taz, Joey. And um, yeah, the, she had a lot of cleavage on show. Yeah. I just feel like I just like we need to set the tone of what this pay-per-view was like. But also, we've got to remember that Melina is the reason why John Morrison never got a push mm. in WWE. Not a real push, anyway, the push that people thought he was deserving of. 
because uh, Vince McMahon, after there was the rumours that she and Batista had a bit of a, or essentially John lent her out, I guess, or just said, it's fine if you want to sleep with my girlfriend because they were dating. And then Vince was like, he's not a tough guy. Uh, he, he should have beaten up Batista for even suggesting it. And that was it. And he was just labelled as a weakling for the uh, his entire time in WWE. That's the story. There's, people have told that story. Lots of people have said that on shoot interviews. So I'm not saying it's like Dave Meltzer reporting this. But that's apparently the reason why he never got a push. That's, um, I mean, that's how we treat our lady partners at WrestleTalk. <laughs> Swap them around. And that's where the joke of how big is Batista's dick? That's where that comes from. Oh, uh, is it really? Yeah, it was someone yeah. sent it to Molina on a you shoot interview, I think. <laughs> um, Joey Styles also says that the Hardys have said that they are going their own ways after tonight, as are Eminem. This is the last time these two will be having a match as a tag team. Just two weeks later, these will be part of a ladder match at Armageddon uh, uh, going for the tag team titles, which is the ladder match in which Jerry Mercury busts his face oh, open. wow. One of the most horrible botches of all time. Yeah, it was suggested um, and got, where is it, uh, got 2% of the vote. But as soon as the bell rings, the crowd kind of go pretty silent. Well, you say crowd. Taz keeps calling them the ECW faithful, hmm. which sounds to me like branding. Yeah. Because he says it a lot throughout this show, like the WWE universe or the fact that they weren't because you had superstars and you had divas, but the ECW guys couldn't be called superstars. They were called extremists. What a that's a that's a very weird turn of phrase for the the sort of socio-political climate. You know, extremists these days you don't bat an eyelid. They're fundamentalists. Mm. But mid noughties extremists. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what the, that's, that's these ECW were. And you think then the ECW faithful bloody loved their extremists. What were the women called? Were they also extremists? I think so. I'm not sure they had names. I, I don't even know this. I mean, they barely I reckon role. they were called vixens. Oh, that's just, probably right, to I'm be just going to take a punt. Oh, I reckon you're right. I feel like that's a sort of word that will be used. Or maybe I knew it and my subconscious has served it up. You're right. Female performers were called vixens rather than divas. Wow. Crikey, look at you. Well, you know, I, if you want me to Google... Lady wrestlers, I know what terms to use. <laughs> vixens. So, what, what does vixens mean? Uh, I don't know. Do you want to Google it live I'm on air? Google I've, it live I've already on just. Air too. I mean, I've just done some. Okay, I didn't know this. Vixen, according to Urban Dictionary, which is a very reliable source, mm-hmm. a wife or girlfriend in a committed relationship who seeks a male for NSA sex. With the permission of, and usually in front of her stag husband or boyfriend, without any bisexual play or humiliation of her stag. Mm. I'm a vixen, so my husband might join you in spit roasting me, is a uh, sort of use that in a sentence. I was about to say, it almost sounds like the Kelly Kelly situation that we get later on in the evening, but it's not quite because Mike Knox is not into the whole thing. No, he's very not. He's very much not. Uh, Okay, well, you know what? I don't think that's an agreed upon definition. I'm scrolling down here. There's loads of... I'll be honest, that's the first time I've ever heard that version. Yeah, I thought it was like the other end of the cuck relationship. Well, I just thought Vixen was just like a a JBL, a a JR term for like Jezebel. Well, according to boobs, 
<laughs> on Urban Dictionary. That's four O's there. Totally gorgeous and amazing human female. Well, that seems to be more apt. Who are these people? With the cutest smile and a sweet-ass body. Loves <laughs> partying and drinks a lot, but is still incredibly smart. But be warned, can get extremely horny and may jump on you unexpectedly. In his... In a sentence... <laughs> Wow, man, Lauren is like such a vixen. My crotch is bulging. <laughs> who are these people? Who My are mates. These, who are these people that just think like, oh, I mean, I've got a bit of time on a Tuesday evening. I'm gonna I'm gonna submit some definitions to UrbanDictionary.com. These are jokes. Did you never read Roger's Profanosaurus? Uh, yeah, this? again. But who are these people? Like, who has time to do this? Uh, me at school, without a doubt. No, even when I was at school, I wouldn't have had time to do this. I was doing cool things. Like? Getting high and, um, <laughs> and playing Smash Brothers. Behind the paywall. <laughs> and playing Luke's Smash Brothers. sordid drug addiction comes out. That's right, I had a drug addiction. Oh, well, I hear you take one toke of the wacky backy, <laughs> you're an addict. And it's a slippery slope because it's a gateway drug. And you'll die by the age of 22. Well, I've made it to 33, so I think I'm okay for, for you now. You look like you died at 22. <laughs> Thanks, Okay, man. again. Do you again. Want to, should we get back I to this match? I don't want to talk about this. We get, we get back to this match. So uh, the, the Hardy start working over Joey Mercury's arm. I'm another definition now. I'll stop. I've closed the page. And even though he's not in the ring, the crowd is still chanting that Nitro sucks. Uh, Nitro tags in and they start working over him and they do double team moves on both Eminem and Eminem take over for a little while while the crowd chants the Molina as a crack whore uh, Nitro does a neck breaker and then shouts like this he does this neck breaker and then stands up and shouts who sucks now yeah nice take take it to him Johnny yep um, so Jeff is wearing a t-shirt here and initially I thought oh it must have been like something they don't like is is now offensive or they don't have the license to show on TV or on the network rather because it looked blurred and then I started because I was not not interested in this match it's a boring boring match I was about to that say, never ends I was about to start calling it move for move but I instantly regretted it no, and, no, I, no. and I'm not going to call this I'm move for move shutting that down yeah we're going to talk do. I'm just going to read through Urban Dictionary <laughs> um, and I, I, then I was like became fascinated I was like the amount of keyframing to track Jeff round the ring and blur this T-shirt. Is it blurred, though? No. Oh. It's just a bad design. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it doesn't really satisfy anything. It's, that, it's like, I think it's trying to be a misty cross, mm. like a cross with some mist. But it, it just, it looks rubbish. Well, I'll tell you what's also rubbish. Hot take, the Hardys have bad dresses. <laughs> I know. It's uh, another hot take for you. Um, like, they sort of do some moves. Like, Matt does a dive to the outside, but I'm not sure if Joey Mercury reversed it. And then Nitro leaps over the ropes, and Jeff dives from the top rope to the floor. And it all seems, like, really slow and lazy. And the crowd chant, EC dub. I'm like, come on, guys. Come on now. Yeah. And then Jeff misses the Swanton bomb, and Taz says, and I quote, Crash and burn a Rooney. Ugh. And it reminds me... Oh, wow. Me you've, you've really skipped it. Oh, I have, me. <laughs> um <laughs> You've missed out 15 minutes. Okay. <laughs> like, but guys, guys, I don't think I have. This is a 22-minute match. It just keeps going. There the are... main event was 24 minutes. They, they have. I mean, it was one of two advertised matches. It had to go for a certain period of time. This had three hot tags. 
This had three portions of build and, and, and heat and three different hot tags. It just never ended. Just when I thought, oh, we're getting into the closing sequence here, they go back to heat. And then they just start working over one of the hardies again and get ready for a, another hot tag. It's, it, it's remarkably boring. Yeah, it's, it's really tedious. And on the Wikipedia page, because we do our research here, mm-hmm. it says at one point, it just says uh, the, you know, that like, the, the only match that received wide, what was like, widely critically applauded was the tag match. Oh, yeah. The actual, oh, we'll get to it. The reviews for this are actually very good. Oh, my. It does. Like, maybe wrestling was in a bad, bad way at the time. <laughs> this does not hold up as yeah. it's like you know like when you watch stuff from the 50s and you recognize well at the time i'm sure that was really good but the sports moved on athleticism is faster now things are quicker paced this one feels like it's in syrup yeah although i do remember at the time thinking this was a good match oh. and and being part of that universal opinion that yeah yeah the only good match from that show is the tag match but watching it back now 12 years on it really does not hold up very much mm. um right where do we get to um i mean i'm skipping ahead a lot here um yeah, like the crowd just like whenever they do the heat spots and the hot tags, the crowd just get more and more quiet. Like even the chance of she's a crack whore like start to die off a little bit. And like Melina gets up onto the apron and tries to get involved. Yeah. While like Jeff has a visual pin and it just keeps going. Um, and like Melina tries to slap Jeff, but then Nitro hits a drop kick and, and Jeff dodges out of the way of that. So Nitro kicks Melina right in the face uh, and. And then she falls to the floor. And literally, Eminem, not a care in the world. They just carry mm. on wrestling. They do not mind that their manager, or even Johnny Nitro's girlfriend, has taken a big boot to the face that he did. And they're just like, oh, I've got a match to win, mate. Well, they're heels. I think that's okay. They were heels, right? They were definitely heels. They ha- they c- there's no way they could yeah. have been baby faces. I, um, I thought the Molina stuff, as, as sort of dated as it is was the only points where the crowd came alive. Well, that's because Melina had one job to do. I'm going to take my headphones off to do that because oh, essentially no, 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 they'll no, no, do no, no, a match. No, no, and no, no, no don't, just do it, goes, don't do it. Ah! That, that's the Melina spot. That's all she does. Mm. And it's just, like, it almost feels like she's programmed to be like, mm, the crowd aren't reacting anymore. I know what to do. Ah! And just do that for a little bit. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's it's a good heat drawing gimmick, I think. It certainly annoyed me, but not in a turn off heat kind of way. In a God, she's annoying. I want to see her get not beaten up, but her comeuppance in this match, and that's what happens. And I, I was thinking about this. I think, uh, I think there is, there is some. Look, this is an awkward thing to phrase, um, but please give me the benefit of the doubt. Uh oh. You can tell this is an ECW podcast. Wrestling, <laughs> wrestling is majority majority watched by men. Mm-hmm. We can't argue this. This is stats, and I think, like us men, I, I'm certainly scared of women. <laughs> I was terrified of them when I was a teenager, and uh, it's kind of nice to see women get humiliated. As, well, stay with me here. I know it sounds bad. I'm gonna, I'm gonna work it back round. It's amazing you're the popular one on this. No, channel. no, 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 no. Like women who are nasty, right? That's what Melina is. Like she's over the top. She's mm-hmm. cheating. So it's fun to see that 
get the comeuppance because of our own natural insecurities about women. Now, the exact same dynamic plays out all the time in like something that's more traditionally orientated towards women. You will see like the the guy who makes fun of women's bodies, they they get their comeuppance and they get humiliated. So it's just like it's just that version of that archetype for men. So and I think it does connect with the crowd when when uh, a female heel manager gets the comeuppance. And unfortunately, we don't get that any these days because of Mattel's deal with WWE and men not being allowed to have violent spots with women. Unless you're Triple H. Mm. In which case you can hit your wife all the time off the apron. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. You seemed, uh, you seemed uncomfortable as I was talking. No, I wasn't uncomfortable. I was trying to work out where you were going. I was waiting for you to make a point. I do see the, the yeah. point you're making. Um, but I don't think you can just put that squarely on women. I just think that's a heel in general. Like, the, the whole point of heels is you want to see them get their comeuppance. Mm. It doesn't matter if they're... It's irrespective of their gender. I get that, but the, there, is, there is something, I think... Like, if, Bobby if he Heenan, did, you wanted to see him sure. put in the weasel suits. Sure. If you did the same thing, like if Melina was actually, exactly the same as a guy in this role. Like, I'm not saying put Bobby Heenan in there, because that's a different level of performer. We get it later. It's called Matt Stryker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the the woman there getting humiliated would be more emotionally resonant with a 90% male crowd. I feel like you are very much... Um, I, I mean, you might have a point. These are complex ideas. <laughs> Probably a bit too complex for such a crap pay-per-view. Um, Wait, we've got to get a talking point out of something. Well, we, we can have a talking point here. They tried to do a super snapshot. They missed. Double, pff, uh, double twist of fate. Um... Uh, a swanton bomb Jeff kills them with a swanton bomb just lands so hard on them they win it went really long mm. there you go talking point it, oh it, yeah that talking point yeah, yeah. worked well oh mate I'm the one I'm here for um, figure four would say this was a total WWE crowd they chanted for the Hardys they booed Eminem there wasn't an ECW vibe that atmosphere where you think at any moment some fans just go nuts there was a she's a crack whore chant but that sounded like it was being chanted by 34 year old executives in suits Jeff Bunny hit a tw- look at this Jeff Bunny what does hit that a- sound like uh, uh, well what by executives 30- in suits she's a crack whore <laughs> Jeff finally hit a twisting moonsault and made the third hot tag in this particular match. Each hot tag, I should note, got progressively colder. Melina was selling it like, uh, after Melina got out of the apron, selling it like she was dead. Eminem, unconcerned, kept wrestling. Matt finally hit a double twist of fate, stacked Mercury on top of Nitro, then Jeff crushed them both with a senton. Last few minutes were very good. Three and a quarter stars from Brian Alvarez. Pro Wrestling Torch would say some stretches were better than others and it lost some momentum about halfway through. Some of the double team moves took too long to set up, but overall, a very good tag match. Three stars. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I disagree. <laughs> I don't think you can say very good tag match. Three stars. To me, that's like average ta- <laughs> tag match. This is a pay per view. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of the advertised matches. That's for... at the time as well. I thought you would like you would say like at least three and three quarters. If this was the most well reviewed match on the entire card, and it didn't go beyond three and a quarter, or three and a half was uh, three and a quarter was uh, three stars was from Pro Wrestling Torch. Um, yes, it was the best reviewed match on the the show though. Mm. So it was uh, critically regarded as the best match on the show. Yeah, most of my notes there are dear God, this is still going on. 
And afterwards, Taz and Joey put that over like it was a classic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, wow, we've just seen a once-in-a-lifetime absolute classic there. Because it was meant to be a once-in-a-lifetime classic, because these two were like, you know, Eminem was splitting back up. It was the, They'd come together for this one special match. The Hardys were going their separate ways. It was supposed to be a once-in-a-lifetime matchup. Mm. Well, thank God it was. <laughs> um, I must give props to Taz again. He's just so funny. Uh, like, there's a bit when Melina is doing a scream for, like, the fourth time to get heat, which is painful. It really hurts my ears. And Taz just goes, what a sweet girl. <laughs> His delivery, when he goes into innocent goofball heel, Taz, oh, it's he's so, so good at it. Yeah, like, uh, the Attitude Era podcast would dub him Uncle Taz. Yeah. And he feels a bit more like Uncle Taz. When he's leery Uncle Taz later on in the show, I don't like him as much. Oh, he's he's leery here as well. <laughs> he's leery over Molini, yeah, but I feel like he's leerier over some of the other ones. There's a, there's a some spot. Some of the other ones, listen to me. There's a spot where Molina gets Matt in a head scissors on the apron behind the referee to get some heat and Joey Styles says it's very unfortunate for Hardy and Taz goes well, you, no, no, you, you know maybe not that unfortunate <laughs> you, 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 I, know, I know a couple of guys there who wouldn't mind being in that position Joey <laughs> just, just for the reference vagina just, vagina in my face just for reference Taz has not walked into the studio that was just Ollie Davis uh, doing an impersonation I hope that doesn't get back to him because from all accounts he he's very sensitive he does about not like people making fun of him yeah he did not like um yeah he did not like matthew referring to him as the umpa lumpa <laughs> and we did our, our media con panel with brian zane and pachiti and matthew just turned into a taz got angry at a support group we yeah. were the only ones without we didn't have a taz stories, story yeah the adjudera podcast of a, well they were worried they were going to end up with a taz story when they started doing the uncle taz thing because they sent out like you know the uncle mo uh, mm. for the simpsons uncle mo here i am they started doing that for, as taz and they were worried because someone made a video of it that it was going to get back to Taz and they were just going to start getting messages from going like, I don't like the way you talk about me. Yeah. It's weird because we're all saying nice things about him. Yeah. We, we just did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like Taz. Uh, Rob Van Dam cuts an ECW.com <laughs> exclusive interview and he says that he's not walking out of the Elimination Chamber. Um, was, he may not walk out of the Elimination Chamber, but it's worth it because he wants to win the title. And Joey is putting over how history's going to be made in the first ever Extreme Elimination Chamber main event. Uh, and, I, you know, I think if I if I watched this card as it was un- unfolding, I'd have been like, well, that was boring. All these matches are throwaway. But Elimination Chamber, it's a great match. It's an extreme version of what is already absolute chaos. Filled with mid-carders. And... Weird weapons. <laughs> Have we gone into that yet? Was that in the that, video? No, no, at the it, start? It, no, it comes up later on, I think. Yeah, well, we'll get on to that, folks. Well, before we get to that, we've got to get through... Prop- um, is this the worst oh. part of the show? This is not the worst part of the show, actually. I know exactly what the worst part of the show is. By the way, one stars. One oh. stars for literally every match. Yeah? Star. What, even the tag match? Um, Burke, the Burke and FBI No, match no, I'm talking about knows. the opening tag match. Oh, I gave that 1.5. Okay. One and a half stars from Ollie Davis. I just, it just never ended. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I think I gave up rating. I've given up rating stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, stopped, I stopped about three matches from the end. Do you yeah. know what's incredible? 
There was a period of time when people had a, kept having a pop at the Young Bucks because they didn't know how to work. And it was like, the Young Bucks, they just can't tell a story in the ring. Mm. And yet, Jeff Hart, like the Hardys versus Eminem is hailed as this like classic of the era. Times change, man. Yeah. Times do change. And uh, that, that phrase will be uttered again <laughs> and again. All right, okay, well, let, let's go through this next segment. So Matt Stryker comes out. He's the teacher. He's actually a genuine former teacher, IRL. And, uh, yeah, so he's, and he's here because he's the teacher for ECW. He's wearing pink, so you know he's a heel. And uh, he, he's cutting a promo before the match, and Styles calls him a condescending jerk. And Stryker wants to kind of teach people... What does he want to teach him here? He basically struggles to say the name Bulls. He tries to like tell you the, the sort of etiquette that you need for professional wrestling, which is sort of like, it's everything that ECW is, basically. Sort of try and garner some cheap heat. Luke, I feel like you're being quite sniffy here. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed Matt Stryker. Not, not in a million years as an ECW wrestler, as an extremist. Yep. But I thought he's just, his, his delivery, his posture in the ring... It's uh, it's like this is gonna come off as way too big a praise than it actually is. It is so far down to the name I'm about to compare him to. But there's a William Regal esque. You're comparing Matt Stryker oh, no, to William no, I Regal. Just said. <laughs> there is a William Regal esque. It's the headlines tomorrow. It's Ollie like, Davis um... <laughs> compares Matt Stryker to William Regal. I prefer that over. Ollie enjoys humiliating women for the purpose of storyline. Thinks it's way better when you beat up women. The men, yeah. The yeah. Men, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, what was uh, what what what's it called when homeopathy? Homeopathy. <laughs> yeah, it's easy for you to say. Yeah, it's like they've used a trace element of William Regal <laughs> in, in just water. Okay, but there's a difference. In that William Regal would come out and he'd go like, you people are bloody smelly and you've got terrible teeth and terrible hygiene and I'm here to tell you, you need to brush your teeth better. And he'd do that and it would be a minute, yeah, yeah, yeah. 90 seconds. Matt Stryker is talking for what felt like 10 to 15 minutes. He cuts a Triple H length promo out here. I don't think it's that Oh my Not God. compared to the tag match. I just... Re- <laughs> Well, in comparison to the tag match, no, but I've got a whole paragraph of notes just about what he's talking about. That's too much. That's too much paragraph. That's too many notes about a crap promo to be like, here, we're having an extreme rules match. No, that's just great content. Oh he he my hit God. a lot of points in those few minutes he had. So, he, so his thing is... He's, and he, his music has a school bell sound. Yep. It's all I very thought, well packaged. I thought Saved by the Bell was about to start. Yeah. Well, I wake up in the morning. <laughs> and he's getting a lot of heat, I thought. And it's, it, it's still early in the night. And I know that you you did, you you made fun of the pink cardigan. Yeah. It looks stupid. <laughs> like it's it's no it's got no sleeves either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just long enough to cover hit the back of his trunks because when he takes that off he's got his own <laughs> face on his butt that was really <laughs> funny Which... it was genuinely the best thing about this whole segment <laughs> and joey says joey says when he removes that <laughs> you've got to worry about a man who wants to sit on his own face which doesn't make any sense <laughs> but like it made me laugh taz broke taz couldn't stop laughing <laughs> 
And then I think someone was in Joey's ear saying, say it again, murder that joke you just said, because he says it a few more times. I was going to say, afterwards, they just will not stop trying to find a camera angle that's focusing on Matt Stryker's butt. But, like, that stuff is good. And then he's like, uh, you know, he's like, I, I I can't even say my opponent's name. But... But balls, Mahoney, and then there's a balls chant. Of course, he's just saying this stuff to get the crowd to chant balls. My my favorite thing about this though is when he says that this will be an extreme rules match, an extremely enforced oh. rules match. But my favorite thing about this is he's running through the rules that need to be uh, extremely enforced. And the referee is miming along with everything he says. <laughs> so he's just like, there's going to be no gouging in the eyes. And the referee's like, puts fingers in his eyes. He goes like, no, 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 no gouging in the eyes. It's like, no pulling of the hair. And the referee sort of pulls his own hair. It's like, no, no, no pulling of the hair. I, I thought he was really funny. I thought the yeah. ref was great. Yeah, and I, like the way Matt built up to that was saying, uh, yeah, he, he asked the crowd, do you like violence? Of course the crowd. Yes. And he goes, Am I extreme? No. no. Do you want to see me in an extreme rules match? Yes. And then that's when he reveals it's an extremely enforced rules <laughs> match. I just, uh, I thought he was, I, I really, I, I enjoyed Matt Striker. I think if you put that character and the performer of Matt in today's product, He'd, he'd be totally fine and it'd be very quite funny well he'd be WWE champion yeah, well, if, be, if, if Jinder Mahal can be feuding with Bobby Lashley <laughs> uh, anyway so this leads to a match between Matt Stryker and Balls Mahoney Ugh. Crowder and I love Balls Mahoney I absolutely adore Balls Mahoney God rest his zombie bones but this is a bloody awful match this well it's because you know we're, I think everyone there wanted to see an Extreme Rules match and they made Balls do a wrestling match. Well, this is because Balls Mahoney is an accomplished amateur wrestler. Hmm. Um, he is oh, a, I didn't know that. Well, I've read this story out on the podcast before. Of uh, he, Yeah, he was a high school... Um, uh, I spoke to a director that did a film with him. And yeah, he was an accomplished high school amateur wrestler. Like, won awards and sort of won competitions and things like that. So the gimmick of this is... So the Matt Striker thinks that Balls Mahoney is this big, fat, extreme rules wrestler. But actually, he's an accomplished amateur wrestler. And he's going to out-wrestle Matt Striker. That's a fine little gimmick. That's not what the crowd wanted to see, though. And they just die instantly because Balls is doing wrestling moves. Yeah. And they just they die straight away. And I, I miss the way that... Because I love the way the Balls looks. I, I think Balls Mahoney's got a, an awesome look for ECW in the mid to late 90s. It looks very passe in 2006. Mm. And this is why all of the ECW guys that they brought back were just buried as soon as the ECW brand restarted because they all looked like Balls Mahoney and Just Incredible and Axel Rotten and they were like and we, Sam man. and Sam it's like well, you look like a bunch of jabronis you all you literally look like the island that's what Paul Henry used to call it the island of misfit toys mm. and so I, whenever these guys went to any other company they just looked and was like well you don't look like a wrestler so I don't know what to do with you but yeah. but like people like Rob Van Dam, I think yeah were, do look uh, like wrestlers yeah, Sabu Sabu's Who? like Sabutio Sabutio Sabu <laughs> Has uh, like he he's got the body of a wrestler, just so hideously scarred. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, anyway, so Striker like does some tests of strength and sort of suckers him into like punches him. There's there's just stuff in this match. Uh, sidewalk slam for a two count. Uh, Balls goes up top, but Striker pushes him on the ropes. So he falls down. The, looks- there's some there's some botched there's some yeah. botched moments in this. In in the international early on, Balls barely gets over Striker that leapfrog, yeah. for the leapfrog, and then. Uh, 
I think that was meant to be, you know, when people like the first spot where everyone goes, man, balls can wrestle. It's like, well, you failed at the first hurdle there. Yeah. Literally a hurdle. Man's got some really interesting offense as well, because there's a point when he like knocks balls down and then does a flat back bump onto like balls, arm, mm. which I thought was quite a strange offense. You don't see very often. Um, and then he, uh, the big spot of the match, I suppose, is that balls, uh, that Matt Stryker goes back on his extremely enforced rules match and he pulls the hair and the crowd are meant to be like, oh, what a yeah. heel. He's not even abiding by the own rules that he's made. Uh, ball starts a comeback, sits a hit out powerbomb and he wins. I can't believe this went seven minutes. Seven minutes. Yeah. Uh, and it was just, it was six minutes of Stryker working over balls, I'd say. And then a few balls punches, which weren't impressive. And then that spine buster or the sit down powerbomb thing. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, Brian Alvarez accidentally calls a sidewalk slam, which shows you how <laughs> much pay- attention he was paying. Can I read you his quote for this? Yes. So he would write in the figure four on uh, figure four, figure four online, I suppose, figure four newsletter. Crowd were dead silent like this show was taking place in a crypt. Balls just won. He did a sidewalk slam and was the victor. Balls Mahoney looked like Vader in his prime compared to Matt Stryker. This sucked a cock. Dud rating. Balls Mahoney looked like Vader, Vader in his prime compared to Matt Stryker. Yeah. What's he got? Matt Stryker was great here. He was not a fan of Matt Stryker, was Brian Alvarez really? at this point. He really hated it. Because he always called him the teacher. He just, and he hated the teacher. Yeah. In the same way that he's always hated the drifter. Ah. I uh, think that those those are very similar gimmicks, I think. Yeah. Uh, Pro Wrestling Torch, <clears throat> just for admin's sake, gave it half a star. <laughs> I, um, I, again, I, I have to go to bat for Stryker here because... I think his promo stuff was very, very good. The way he worked the crowd, just his presence in the ring. And there was this one moment where he, he like, he hit balls down with like a big power move. I can't remember what it was. And like, you're like, oh wow, Striker's got some, some presence about him. And he was on his knees, and Striker does this like evil grin into the camera. And then he really effeminately scurries over to balls with his knees and does a quick cover. Yeah, and just, it was such like a great great mix of physicalities to get over his you know his dastardly heelness weirdly i've written here he could be a heat magnet as a mid-card act in nxt hmm but i don't i don't believe that now. yeah i was gonna say strong disagree (laughs) yeah but on the main roster he would have like i I think he's almost like 10 years too late it's amazing that they didn't use him on raw or smackdown really Mm. Um, because they they probably could have used someone who was like that who could uh, and it would have worked for a Raw and SmackDown crowd. I don't think it works particularly well for an ECW no, crowd, no, despite no, the no. fact it's basically the same audience. But it's also I would I I think that Matt was perfectly fine here, but this did not belong on pay per view. No, that someone paid forty dollars for. No, not a chance. I've weirdly done some research on Striker. <laughs> Because I was bored. Ollie Davis doing research. It doesn't mean anything. Wikipedia. What's next? It was Wikipedia, and I don't like. I don't think he should be in NXT now. So, but it's uh, back. Striker and NXT research. Striker began hosting NXT in early 2010. He wrestled his first match in three years on the August 2nd, 2011 episode of NXT, teaming with Titus O'Neil in a winning effort against Derek Bateman, who would go on to be EC3, and Darren Young. Well, who would go on to become Titus O'Neil's tag team partner as the primetime players. Look at that. Crikey, history. Mm. Uh, CM Punk is shown backstage getting ready to lose for the first time. He's wearing a drug-free T-shirt. He is indeed, yeah, because he is straight edge. Um, 
Did I ever tell you? You know when I talk in my sleep? Mm. Um, and I often like I'll get From up when and, we snuggle. Yeah, and yeah. I and I get up and I move around a lot. Of, I, I sleepwalk basically. Um, it's a very minor version of sleepwalking. I've never really gotten that far. Like I, I'll maybe walk to the other end of the house. Um, I've, in my old in a previous house, I've walked downstairs. Like I, I don't get very far. But I do remember once, like especially if I'm in bed with someone, and you'll know this, that sometimes I will wake them up to tell them something, mm. or I will talk loud enough that my dream sort of affects you know what I'm talking about. And um, I once woke up an ex-girlfriend because I was talking about CM Punk is straight edge. Because he he just signed for WWE and I was just talking about oh yeah he's, he's a straight edge guy. And my you're explaining to someone in your dream. Your God. dream is actually real life where you tell people about wrestling. And my girlfriend at the time went, "What are you talking about?" And I <laughs> and I put up both my hands, uh, both my arms in the X pose, and I was like, "He's straight edge." Yes. <laughs> she was like, "Okay," and I was like, I "Just thought you should know." And I went back to sleep. I remember that so clearly. Uh, then we get probably the most controversial choice made on this show. Mm. Sabu or Sabutio, as Ollie Davis would call him, is shown backstage knocked out, and the medics are saying that he's got a pulse, but he's unresponsive. And Heyman runs in, and he, he's very upset. And he's like, "Oh, what's happened here?" And they don't really know. And Heyman's just like, "He's supposed to be in my main events." One of the medics looks directly into the camera and says he's unresponsive he's unresponsive <laughs> it was the look directly <laughs> down the barrel of the lens he's unresponsive yeah <laughs> i i feel like they had their script and their script was to say he's unresponsive yep. but the segment ran about a minute longer and they didn't add any new words <laughs> everyone just kept anyone who wasn't paul Heyman. All the extras who had a speaking role just said unresponsive. Or like he's, they got, were he's got a pulse. He's got a pulse. Yeah. Uh, the crowd did not like this. Oh, no. They chanted BS uh, in, in so many words loudly. And you can hear it during the pre-tape. And they cut back to the arena and it's so loud. This backfired. Oh, yeah. I have no idea what they were thinking with this. And this was Heyman's idea. By all accounts, it was Heyman's idea to take Sabu out of the match. To take Sabu, Dio, out of an extreme... <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe Sabu would have killed himself. So maybe Heyman was like, I don't want you to be in this because I don't trust you in there. But uh, that would be the first time Heyman's ever really cared yeah. about someone in that respect. Also, it just means that in this ECW show... And people who bought this and bought into the ECW brand wanted it to be the ECW they remembered from the 90s, from their teenage years. That, that's what I wanted with from With CM this. Punk. Well, yeah, with CM Punk, yeah, that's absolutely fine. But it's there are three guys on this whole show who are in matches, you know, not including the Sandman, so that's four, that are actually from the ECW original lineup. You've got Rob Van Dam, Tommy Dreamer, and Balls Mahoney in matches. You say the FBI as well? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I forgot that match happened, yeah. and that's bloody next. Yeah, and little Guido and, and Tony Mameluke, I suppose. But but it's not like when you think ECW, you think the full blooded Italians <laughs> with Trinity. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So should we, should we let's get onto this match then because it is the FBI, the full blooded Italians of Tony Mameluke and little Guido versus the team of Elijah Burke and, and Chris Hero's dad. <laughs> And Chris Hero's dad, Sylvester Turkai. 
Do you remember Sylvester Turco? No. Oh, you because you weren't watching wrestling at this no. point, right? I think I'm glad that I didn't because I can I can watch this awful show and find it amusing. But yeah. if I lived through it, I think the pain would be too great. Imagine that after ECW One Night Stand in 05 and 06. I cannot tell you. I honestly got sorry. Make your point. Well, I was just going to say that all that goodwill, like almost perfect. I would say, well, One Night Stand, the first one, is a perfect show. The next year's was really, really fantastic too. And you're like, the the next one, the one, the, the ECW, soul branded, and you get this. Yeah. I know you had the TV stuff slowly chip away in the build-up, but good grief. But the TV didn't chip away in the at the build-up. They just didn't do it. They only built to two matches. They could have done, like, the ECW. But it was quite well, obviously the WWE version. Oh, yeah, that's, ECW. well, that's it, yeah, so... I mean, we we don't we usually sort of talk about like you know where we were at this sort of point. So I was in university in my I was coming to the end of my th- uh, third year of university when this pay per view aired. After one night stand two, I cannot tell you how how excited I was for this ECW rebrand because in my mind's eye, I was like. It's going to be ECW again. It's going to be the ECW I remember. It's going to be all the guys that I loved, and it's just going to feel like an ECW show. And that first ECW broadcast on Sci-Fi is an appalling show. It is. It's embarrassing. And that was like, it was the first sign of you like, uh-oh. Mm. And then it just got worse and worse. And then it really was not helped by the fact that Rob Van Dam and Sabu got themselves arrested. And as soon as that happened, that really was like... This, I mean, this was the final nail in the coffin, but that moment there was them like starting to hammer that nail in, and it was, it just became a, a terrible, terrible product. And this show was just because I bought this pay per view. That's why you keep bringing that up. Do I have I brought that? Oh, you no, you you, you do you have said a lot. Forty dollars. Well, I mean, yeah. I didn't pay forty bucks for it. Yeah. Like I'd have paid fifteen quid for it, whatever yeah, it was, it was like on Sky 15, on Sky Box Office. Yeah. But like, so I bought this being like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's ECW's first pay-per-view. You've got to see what they're going to do. And good Lord, it's a, it was such a bad show. Mm. It left such a bad taste in my mouth, apart from that tag match, which I thought was excellent. Um, <laughs> at the time. At the time, yeah. And Sylvester Turkai. I quite liked Elijah Burke, but Sylvester Turkai, man, I, I didn't get what he was because I didn't really know what MMA was mm. in 2006. And a Scooby bloody do what it was. I, so this is my first experience with him. And after I got over all my notes of him being a time-travelling Chris Hero, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I actually quite liked his offence. I th- I, I, it resonates more with me now because yeah, I know yeah. what he's going for. Mm. But like at the time, it didn't make any sense to me. Um, uh, yeah, like so... Buck gets a promo because we've got to fill some time. And uh, he says... He's got so much charisma. Oh, he's, he's dripping in charisma yeah. as Elijah. And he says, this is the first time on pay-per-view that people can feel the Elijah experience. And like a dog in... Like an animal in heat, we're going to leave a mark. Quite a gross line. Um, good pop for the FBI, though, because it's an ECW original mm. thing. And their entrance music is great. And it's little Guido and Tony Mameluke with Trinity. She came from TNA for this. She was originally a TNA star. Um, I can't remember who she seconded. It might have been Kid Cash. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I remember her leaving TNA to go and join WWE and be a part of the ECW relaunch. When Trinity came out, I, I did not know what she was. I, I've never seen or heard of her. Mm. I can't remember. But she was not wearing many clothes. <laughs> Good crikey, she was not wearing clothes. She was basically wearing 
bandages. Crepe paper. Crepe paper, yeah. Very, a, she's yeah. wearing like a jumpsuit thing, but uh, a, a lot of the, the, the fundamental parts of the material were missing, mostly around the stomach. I'll just get a picture up. Let's have a look. Let's see all the bits that are missing. Where was she in total non-stop action? That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, Kid Cash. Um, she debuted as Stephanie Trinity, where she and Kid Cash defeated Desiree and Sonny Siaki. Desiree. Uh, yeah, she was with Kid Cash for a while. Yeah, so right. she's got like this... Oh, so she's definitely worn less. <laughs> yeah. Look, there she is with like a, a caution tape. Was she with Orlando Jordan at any point? <laughs> he started doing that, didn't he? Oh, she became the manager of Michael Shane. That's right. Because um, she was feuding with uh, Tracy Brooks. So in this match, she's kind of, yeah, so it's it's a one-piece red bodysuit, but the, the parts on the sides of the legs around that ass are just straps. Very sparsely spaced straps. I'm sure a lot of people are rushing over to Google. Or if you're on your phone listening to this podcast, just enabling a bit of private browser on Chrome. Well, they've probably uh, watched this pay-per-view because everyone does before they... uh... Oh, I hope so. But yes, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, she came to ECW for... uh, Well, she came to WWE to to join this this new brand. And... um, uh, it starts off with Elijah having some fun with Guido, but Guido has some fun of his own, and he steals back Elijah Burke's hat because he's wearing this sort of like he's wearing this hat thing. And um, Taz goes like, "Oh, Guido looks like he's ready to serve some pizza," you know, because he's Italian, and that, that's what they do. There's chance of "Where's my pizza?" throughout this. Um, they and they just start getting distracted during this match, talking about Sabu mm. and Sabu being injured. But we do get this amazing exchange between Taz and Joey Style, where Taz essentially is looking for something to talk about <laughs> because there's nothing to say about the match. So he says, and I've got this as direct quotes here, Taz, what's that in his hair, Joey? Is it beads? Is it juju beads? What are they? And Style says, they're just beads. Taz replies, beads? <laughs> St- and Styles replies, beads? They're just beads. And Taz goes, that's kind of cool. Oh, it's kind of cool, actually. Wow. Uh, I, I was, this was where I suddenly realized nothing has stakes. <laughs> and, oh, now you realize. Yeah, and uh, because I didn't really know the, the atmosphere surrounding this going in, I, was try- I like to try and stay fresh and experience it anew and then find out everything afterwards. But yeah, it was just... The two one-night stands, uh, the first one was just based on, you know, there was no, uh, there was nothing at stake there either. It was just exhibition matches of old guys coming back. That had no advertised matches. Yeah, and that worked fantastically because it was a celebration of nostalgia of all the old ECW guys. The next one, they mixed it up a bit. They changed it. They had the ECW originals facing off against the WWE guys, which is a draw in itself, I would say. Not many, there were a few storylines going in. Like the WWE title was on the line Absolutely, and stuff. Yeah. And the uh, Edge and Mick Foley yeah. stuff oh, yeah, with Terry course, Funk. Of yeah, of course. Uh, so that stuff like worked really well. But here, sure, they've got the Elimination Chamber main event, but everything else, if it's new guys versus old guys or old guys versus old guys, I think you can make a, a case for it. But this is this does, this does not work. No, it really doesn't. In the slightest. These are matches you would expect to see on the ECW television oh yeah all of it is all of them are tv matches yeah even the opening tag everything apart from the chamber match yeah is a tv match 
Um, anyway, Burke hits the skull-crushing finale on Mameluke for the win. Um, and then afterwards, Turkai hits, and this was pretty awesome, he hits a deadlift muscle buster on Guido while one guy loudly chants TNA at him. Yeah. And Joey Styles even calls it the muscle buster. Mm. Taz goes, what do you call that move? And Joey Styles pauses and then goes, I think, I mean, it's called the muscle buster. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, so I think that was probably the first time that was ever mentioned there. Uh, Samoa Joe was a real big deal in TNA at this point. Mm. It was really, it was on the, you know, it was on the, absolutely, it was like top, tippity top guy. Unbreakable had been the, Unbreakable had been the previous year. Mm Mm-hmm. 2006 lockdown was with Kurt Angle. Uh, yes, I think it might was have been. Was 2007? It might I'm be sure 2007. Because I think I might have been out of university Kurt at Angle that point. Samoa Joe. Lockdown 2008? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I think it was on the Ascent. It took him a while oh, to get well. to like to, uh, oh, Samoa well. Joe as a main eventer. Anyway, uh, Turkai would be released from WWE in January 2007. So it was a few weeks later mm. he would be gone. Uh, he wrestled for Anoki's promotion and Zero One for a bit and appeared in a documentary called 101 Reasons Not to Be a Pro Wrestler. Uh, Mameluke was also released in January 2007. Trinity would be released in June 2007. She, provi- uh, she retired from professional wrestling and she's now a roller derby girl. Uh, Elijah Burke, as we know, went on to TNA as the Pope D'Angelo De Niro and was so over at one point he main evented a pay-per-view. He was great. I love the Pope. Yeah. Great, great yeah. character. And now he's, but now he just transitioned into an announcer role. Yep, he doesn't do that anymore. He left in 2017 from mm. um, Impact Wrestling, which is now because it's now Josh Matthews and Don Callis. Uh, figure four would write of the match: Trinity may as well have been nude. They're trying to push Turkai <laughs> as a big monster. Might have worked had he not been pinned on Tuesday night. They beat on Guido. Uh, then Mameluke made the wackiest hot tag in history. He's so skinny and so unassuming, and Burke had to sell for him. Turkai didn't even bother. This show is wretched. Elijah. Burke pins Mameluke with the stroke half a star. Uh, Pro Wrestling Torch think it, thought it was better with a star. Wow. What, what was Wade Keller's catchphrase? Watchable. <laughs> Watchable. Oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, then we cut backstage. Sabu is being loaded into an ambulance. No update if he's responsive or not, though. No, absolutely not this time. But RVD's there, probably asking if Sabu's got weed. <laughs> <laughs> and Punk's looking on, saying, don't take that weed. <laughs> He's bad. looking on concern. Oh, no, one medic does have an update. He says Sabu might have a broken neck. Oof. Like that, st- like that would stop him. <laughs> He's the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal, death-defying Sabu. But no, getting knocked down backstage will put you in an ambulance. Then we get... Oh, God, it just keeps on going doesn't it i'm trying to work out if this is the worst match watching you or being in the room with you when you were watching this pay-per-view was a sight to behold really because you could almost tell just how beaten down you were getting by the show as it just went on and on and on you know and it's not a long show no two hours 15 minutes it's half the time of tlc (laughs) and everything dragged (laughs) everything dragged there's no apart from striker's promo there's nothing redeemable about this and that is that's a that's a sorry state of affairs. You know when you are a kid and you're sort of you but you, you you're taken out by your parents because your parents need to do real life adult stuff, and you just find yourself in uh, in a waiting room at the bank, mm-hmm. and you just you are so bored, you actually start to cry. <laughs> I had that as an adult watching this show, but I didn't cry because I'm not a child. No. But um, you had to take notes. Otherwise, you'd have been like putting your hands, like smushing your hands against your face mm. because you're that oh. bored. Anyway, my posture was awful watching this show. <laughs> I, I just slumped down. I was kind of watching it with my 
my everything from my neck to my knees horizontal. Yeah. My neck just pushed up. And you were just yeah. like uh. double chin in it. So our next match, Daivari with the great mm. Kali comes out and he also cuts a bloody promo because we've got to fill some time. How many more heels are going to cut promos before matches? But he's a heel because his one's not in English. Um, fun fact for you, I once saw Daivari win the Varsity Pro Wrestling Championship. He was the first v- uh, VPW champion uh, in a Portsmouth, uh, in the Portsmouth Guild Hall. Well, Daivari... that, same, that same building we saw Pac wrestle uh, Speedball Mike huh. Bailey on Ramble Club. Uh, Davari is, for all accounts, like he's he, he's a good wrestler. Yes, yeah, and he's you know he's his brother is also very good. Absolutely. Um, and they came back this year. They it's did. To think, oh, that's it? right, the greatest Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Never beyond a uh, a sort of foreign heel gimmick. It seems. <laughs> well, I would say that the foreign heel gimmick that he did in WWE was so much better than the heel foreign heel gimmick he did in TNA when he was Sheikh Abdul Bashir mm. and his entrance music was the sound of a plane crashing. Vince mm. Russo, everyone. Um, we've had quite a few comments on the... Uh, I had a tweet saying, like, have you heard Vince Russo's done a podcast about how to save WWE? And I was like, oh, if there's one person's opinion, <laughs> I do not want to hear about how to save WWE. It's Vince bloody Russo. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's... I'm sure he's a, a nice guy. To, well, I've met him actually. He's a, he's a nice guy to sit down with and, and talk to for about five minutes. Uh, <laughs> I did talk to him beyond five minutes, so I cannot <laughs> I cannot confirm. It was but, just, uh, yeah, just in, in, insufferable as a as a sort of personality. And it was wacky as well because I got that tweet from someone saying like, "Oh, you should really listen to it. He's got some really good ideas on how to save WWE." And then independent of that, someone left a comment in our Patreon community section saying like. Vince Russo's done an amazing podcast and it's a different person mm. I was like how wacky is this that Vince Russo has somehow convinced two different people who watch our channel that he's the person the man who killed WCW and TNA is all of a sudden people going like maybe he's got a point he's the answer I uh but he does have you can't deny he has very good ideas unfortunately just like the homeopathy thing earlier that is a 0.03% dilation in a boatload <laughs> of crap water. Yeah. The, um, so the Brian and Vinny <clears throat> and Craig uh, weekly reviews of Retro, Raw and Nitro. I don't think they're ever going to hit a peak on this. Um, they reviewed a, a hardcore match. It was a, no, uh, a Falls Count Anywhere match. And the two wrestlers brawl to the outside and they brawl into the back. And then one of them gets like bored of the match and starts to walk away. And the referee starts counting as if he's counting him out of the match. And they go like, it's false count anywhere. Like yeah. he can walk to the moon. He can't be counted out. You're, you're already out. Someone, someone keeps posting little video clips of Vinny. Who's it? There? Brian, Vin- Vinny and Craig. Craig doing these shows yeah. on, on Reddit because they say that that like it's entered the worst time because St- Steve Austin isn't on these shows anymore. No, he's not. They're in late 1999, so Steve Austin's not on <laughs> Raw. Triple H and Stephanie are now the authority on Raw, so they're running the show, and Vince Russo is doing his best to kill WCW with each and every passing week. Each and every passing week, they're like, it's hit a brand new low. Mm. It's like, it is the worst show ever. How did anyone watch this show? Yeah, and, and more people watch that show than <laughs> they are now. I know, it's remarkable. Uh, but they post these clips saying, 
it's really fun to watch Brian slowly lose his mind. <laughs> and this, for this particular clip I watched this week, they cut backstage to show Brett, who's just been attacked. But nobody told Brett that he's just been attacked. <laughs> so the camera comes in. Someone's running in front of the camera going, Brett, Brett, are you okay? <laughs> And you can see Brett take a back bump onto the sofa to, to like, pretend he's passed out. Oh, but, uh, but Vince Russo, like Smiley, he's got the answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so Dio cuts this promo. Uh, Tommy Dreamer comes out. Good pop for Tommy Dreamer. Oh, so but... Did we say great Carlees with Davari? Yeah, I did mention it, yeah. Uh, like, he can't wrestle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, go make your point. He can't wrestle, but... Good grief. He is so physically impressive. Yeah. He's like, he is a foot and a half taller at least than both Daivari and the referee. It was a genius move putting Daivari with yeah. him because Daivari is, looks tiny compared to him, which just makes Great Carly mm. look even more taller. Great Carly, by this point, has had like his monster push beat The Undertaker on pay-per-view, like the most dominating performance against The Undertaker, one of the few people that Undertaker has put over clean in the whole of the World Wrestling Federation. And it's the Great Carly. And he is, oh my, he's my favorite thing. He's my favorite part about this match. And it's, it's in one point in particular. <laughs> like, so the very first thing in this match is Daivari punches Dreamer. And outside you just hear Greg Carly go, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so loud. And there's a, oh man, there's a guy in the crowd who's got a Sabu sign. I bet he was thrilled with the storyline decision oh that Paul Heyman made. And anyway, so Daivari thumbs Dreamer in the eye and sends him to the outside. And the referee tells Carly to go to the back. But I don't know if anyone told Carly that's the spot. Or what he has to do when the referee tells him to go to the back. Because he stands there for ages, <laughs> just throwing his hands up in the air going, What? Yeah, like, what do you want? <laughs> What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> the crowd are going, yeah, and they just die off because he's standing there just throwing his arm and going, like, what? And never leaves. Does he not leave? He does leave eventually, eventually, but it takes him so long to get to the back. Like, And at one point, he looks directly into the camera like he was that medic backstage <laughs> with this look on his face that says, I've no idea what I am doing. Yeah. And this man pinned The Undertaker clean. This is a guy they were pinning all of their hopes on to save SmackDown. And it's just uh, and the commentators continued to be more focused on who might have attacked Sabu. Yep. They're now entertaining the possibility it could have been Heyman. Yeah. Um, or and, that it was RVD and CM Punk together yeah. attacking Sabu. And uh, when it's quite obvious that it's Heyman and his little <laughs> gang of, of cronies. Yep. But here, it just made me feel a bit depressed with the whole the, the, the spill outside and Carly being ejected. This is ECW. <laughs> This is a, a brand where everything is fought under ECW rules. No countouts, mm -hmm. no DQ, every single match. And I don't know why, just seeing Carly get ejected in this typical WWE spot early on just made me go, ah, yeah. that's a sad death. Is this the worst match on the show? The tag match that precedes Ooh. it gives it a good run for its money, but this is bloody awful see I really didn't like striker and balls in ring I thought that was really sloppy mm. in terms of like actual finesse of the wrestling part of things but I think I liked striker yeah 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 um yeah but um d Tommy Dream is pretty bad in this oh, match oh it's dreadful 
Yeah, so what where's the bit? Yeah, Dreamer does this like awful run into the ropes. This is just before Carly's ejected. And you know, like you run into the ropes and you turn. Mm. He just doesn't turn. <laughs> he doesn't even bother. And Carly drops the bottom rope and he falls over. In which case, you could see that happening, Tommy <laughs> I Yeah. I don't know why. That's just reminding me. You know when I was talking earlier about those posts on Twitter about how Sasha Banks is the greatest wrestler in WWE. Women, mm. or, women or male, he, she's just the best wrestler in WWE. They illustrated that with a gif of her from Raw where she ran against the ropes and then did her sort of like powerbomb roll-up DDT thing. The amount of steps she took between running the ropes and hitting that move made me go like, she is not the best wrestler. And Tommy Dreamer at times felt like he was doing that, like especially when he was running against those ropes, going like, spill to the outside. Tommy Dreamer's a smart guy. He loves ECW more than anyone, I think, more than Heyman, easily. And he, I think he's seen, he knows what's going wrong. He know like uh, didn't Dreamer ask for his release as soon as this pay per view was over? Yeah, as soon as Paul was gone as well, I think yeah. he knew the writing was on the wall. So, so like he can't be happy with this. So I I feel like his heart is not in it mm. at all. Although I must say he's in much better shape than he is for the rise and fall of ECW DVD. I was rewatching <laughs> that. Oh really? Yeah, he's talking heads. Yeah, he looks like he looks like he's play. I think. Tommy Dreamer was played by his wayward brother between 2000 and 2004. Yeah. He looks like a completely different person. Do you know when Tommy Dreamer eventually did leave WWE? It was a lot later. I don't think they they granted him his release and he just, he stayed on. Yeah, 2010. 2010, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because he won the ECW championship eventually, but they wouldn't let him be the last ECW champion because they had to get over... Who did they put it on? Oh, it was Ezekiel Jackson. That was who oh they wanted God. to be the last ever ECW champion because they had big hopes for him and his big boulder shoulders. Hey, ECW, e- the, the, the relaunch, one good thing, WWE pushed black champions. Yeah, I suppose so. Mark Henry won the belts, yeah. Bobby Lashley on this show. That's spoiler. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Anyway, this is... this is a- Shows what they think. <laughs> so bloody you can you can, <laughs> you can be a champion. Well, you can't be WWE champion. On the bottom show. Yeah. Um, Tommy Dreamer does this. You know when Chris Saban does the tree of woe spot and then he runs and does the drop kick, yeah. but he jumps up in the end. It's the big hesitation drop kick. Right. Tommy Dreamer does it here, but like there is no hesitation on it. He jumps up in the air and instantly falls right back down. Well, like, that spot is usually meant to have a chair in front of the person's face yeah. that you drop kick into them. So it just it that, like that was the finishing move with the E C. W chant. Oh, it's pathetic. Yeah. And the crowd are chanting, we want hardcore. Yeah. And they're also like, Tavari's got a sleeper holding at one point. <laughs> boring. It's a five minute match. Yeah. And, and the crowd are chanting, F him up, Dreamer. F him up. But like, everyone wanted violence. Everyone wanted extreme. And you know what? Like, fair play to them. Yep. They're watching ECW. Your wrestlers are called extremists. You, you're promoting this extreme elimination chamber main event with all the weapons and, and you're giving them rubbish boring wrestling matches and Daivari is getting heat by putting a thumb in Dreamer's eye behind the referee's back yeah it's it's very bad um yeah yeah it's a drop kick into the tree of woe it's the loudest the crowd have been all matched they even chant ECW for that as well he sets over the DDT but Daivari rolls him up and gets the win couldn't even get Dreamer tights. Yeah, couldn't even give Dreamer a win on pay-per-view uh, Dreamer chases Daivari up the stage but Carly comes back out and he picks up oh man he picks up Tommy Dreamer and he hits this tree slam on the stage 
It was a horrible bump mm. to take on a pay-per-view that no one is watching. Yeah, because those greats on the top of the stage, like oh. they sound there's like there's no giving them, and they sound so clattery. It was it was a ho- it's a horrid sound. Yeah, and uh, so <laughs> so so they do a they do they play this up like a huge injury angle. Yeah. Tommy Dreamer says, "I can't feel move. I can't feel my feet. I can't feel my feet in such a monotone rubbish way." Yeah, oh, I can't feel my feet, and uh, you know the hushed voices like Gary Barlow and Taz, yeah. and they're like, "Oh." Really, you know, this is this is awful. I've never seen Tommy Dreamer be down like that. He's, you know, he's got more heart than anyone. Usually, stands up. They show a replay, and you can hear one guy just heckle. This isn't extreme. <laughs> it's entertainment. <laughs> oh, bad night for the ECW originals uh, here. Couldn't get a win on pay per view, um, and just get beaten up all the time. I mm. guess. Uh, figure four online. Well, Dreamer sta- sorry, Dreamer stands, stands up by himself. Own, yeah, his own volition and crawls out. And Taz is just like he's one of the toughest guys I've ever met. Tommy Dreamer. People say that Brock Lesnar's the smartest man in wrestling because he just keeps pretending to, he's going to go back to ECW, uh, UFC to get a bigger paycheck off Vince McMahon, who falls for it every single time. Tommy Dreamer, man, he main evented Impact just a few weeks ago here in 2018. He's the smartest man in wrestling to convince people that he can still be a main eventer in a company. Hmm. And now he's got his own company. He's, he's got his own company well. where he's the main event as well. Brian Alvarez would write, uh, The highlight was when the referee ejected Carly and at first he did not know how to respond to it. It was <laughs> as if he had no idea what was going on. Then he began frowning and pointing at the ring. I wish I knew what he was saying or thinking at this moment. <laughs> it took him like five minutes for him to actually leave. Dreamer went for the DVT, but Daivari slipped out and won with the scoreboard using the tights. ECW is dead. Quarter star. Mm. Uh, and Pro Wrestling Torch would give it half a star. Not a lot of comments comments from Keller uh, in this he only, star. he only gave comments for the opener and the closing show not like uh, he gave nothing no insight into any of the other matches what was the half a star earlier from because uh, oh no what was the dud Sorry. dud was uh, the Matt Striker match right I think that's unfair uh, backstage, Paul Heyman approaches Hardcore Holly. The crowd boo as they figure what's going on. <laughs> Heyman basically says that he's going to re- he's going to replace Sabu in the Elimination Chamber, which Bob Holly is very happy about. The crowd are not. Well, that's a like for like. I don't know what they're so annoyed about. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Hardcore Holly looks into the ca- like not looks into the camera, but he goes, "Oh, I like the sound of that," <laughs> and the crowd just go boo. <laughs> There's a collective groan of like, oh, this is what's gonna happen. I I like, I don't I I don't believe you that it, this was Heyman's plan. I can't. I mean, I I know that all guys are fallible, but this isn't Heyman's kind of fallible. Like Heyman would have screwed up in a different way. Mm. This is so WWE. This is like well, such a I've screw up thought. of WWE. WWE's template, you know, get rid of all the ECW guys, put in the hardcore Hollies and the yeah. And if you okay, you're gonna put in Holly and you're gonna do all that stuff. It's actually a swerve to say, ah, uh, Paul Heyman is because I think Paul Heyman's character here was trying to be, I'm gonna become Vince McMahon and I'm gonna make ECW this global brand just like Raw and SmackDown. But then you have CM Punk win right on the on in the Elimination Chamber match. And you you tell out you play that story out where you've got this renegade stone cold Austin figure in Punk against the Vince McMahon Paul Heyman, mm. uh, but that isn't what happens. So I just I really I can't I really can't 
I don't believe it. <laughs> well, I, I can't remember. I think Pritchard tells the story as well that it was Heyman, but mm. I can't remember if it was if Pritchard says that. Not. I mean, I would take everything he said with a pinch of salt anyway. So where have you? Where, where did you hear again? It's, that it it's was... in it's in the figure four that it was Heyman's oh, wow. Heyman's idea. Um, the Wrestling Observer is not available from that time, so I can't check that. Because Wikipedia says <laughs> maybe I can see. I was going to say who uh, was the source. What's the sources are. Because that's the all important thing, isn't it? It might be like you know. Wrestling News World. It might be Wrestle Talk. <coughs> um, reception. Critics had negative. Yada yada yada. Upset at how the event turned out. Tommy Dreamer and Stevie Richards both asked after the event to be released from their contracts. Both were refused. Uh, who was the source on it? Uh, for that one, that was the true story of the ECW relaunch by WWE. <laughs> 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 what a uh, weird thing to do. Um, uh, okay, here we go. In an early 2008 interview with The Sun, Heyman gave more details how he would have booked the Extreme Elimination Chamber match, which would have included Punk entering first and quickly eliminating Big Show via submission. According to the interview, McMahon nixed the idea, but Big Show liked the direction Heyman was heading in and was eager for the opportunity to make a rising star like Punk. Uh, he, uh, Heyman also said that he kept going to McMahon on the night of the pay-per-view and said, specific quote, these people are going to throw this back in our face. So, it's yeah, I think that, because um, I can certainly buy into that, and that's always the story that I've heard that it was, mm. is that Heyman had a certain vision of this, but Vince essentially set this pay-per-view up to fail. But suppose there well it might be one of those things where we never know the, the full truth behind what really happened on this night. Oh, here we go. Pro Wrestling Torch reported McMahon himself practically rewrote much of the script mm. for... But, I mean, a lot of these dirt sheets, uh, like Pro Wrestling Torch and the Wrestling Observer, their source is Heyman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, that's widely yeah. disseminated, that Heyman would send in source stuff using an alias. Yeah. But it was Heyman, and sometimes he just said it was him. Uh, and the other source is Heyman in an interview with the sun but i i just i believe him in this respect i, I maybe not the 100 percent version of the truth but but yeah yeah well what we do know is true is certainly this next tag match it's mike knox and kelly kelly versus kevin thorne and ariel mm. pay-per-view um i, I forgot kevin thorne was a thing yep the uh, Kevin Fertig. Um, what was his Mordecai was the other gimmick that he had in SmackDown for two weeks. The Reverse Undertaker. At least that was the idea. Well, he was going to have the match with the Undertaker. Absolutely right. It was going to be a WrestleMania match between uh, Mordecai and the Undertaker. Black versus white. Mm. That's what they were going for. Uh, Kelly Kelly's gimmick is that she is an exhibitionist, which makes no sense because she comes out in gear. Like if you're an exhibitionist, you just wouldn't wear gear, right? That was what that was her actual that was gimmick. Her, so on the first ECW show, she tries to do a striptease. I remember I've seen and that. She, and she can't take off her bra mm. and she doesn't know how to do a striptease. It's frankly embarrassing to watch. And afterwards, Taz looks like Taz turns to Joey Styles like, "I think I like this version of ECW better than the old one." Um, I, I I've written here my first note. Sexy women is what's getting me through this. <laughs> Kelly Kelly is gorgeous. Are you? Are you? A Ke- I was never a Kelly Kelly guy. I wasn't. I wasn't. I think in retrospect, though, I just uh, taste taste change. I my lasting memory of Kelly Kelly though is uh, my friend Ross. Actually, he wrote Bob Holly's book. Maybe we should ask him about Bob Holly's thoughts on this paper. Maybe mm. he could, he's got a story to tell. I've got an idea. He like he always says that his favorite thing about Kelly Kelly is that she just points at nothing. 
Like, her arms are always up in the air. She just points at it. She's never looking where she's pointing either. She's mm. just pointing at things. Well, I never noticed that. Um, yeah, so she's an exhibitionist, but Mike Knox is her jealous boyfriend because she's got the hots for CM Punk. Mm. And this is, I mean, what a spot this is. So... Hey, I thought this was cute. <laughs> I I fell in love a bit with Kelly Kelly. In I thought bit. this was a really cute moment, but also, if you think about it for a second, it makes no sense. In that, her idea was that she was going to steal... Uh, whoever the video announcer was, might be Justin Roberts. She's, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Justin, she's going to steal Justin Roberts' microphone to say, to, to wish CM Punk the best of luck tonight in the Extreme Elimination Chamber because she's got the hots for him, right? So she takes the microphone and she's checking behind her if Mike Knox is looking. She's waiting until he does his pose. And then she says her piece. And then she hands the microphone back. And I'm like, I mean, he was going to hear you anyway because it's played over the PA, you dunce. No, she was just checking so he couldn't stop her. <laughs> like she's like oh, she yep, yep he's doing the celebration thing I can say it now and he can't get over in time to stop me I think that's she would, what I got I would look it was like I hope he doesn't hear me if I mm. say this of course he's gonna bloody hear you I I, uh, I I wish I was CM Punk well I always wish I was CM Punk but then when, when Kelly Kelly did that sort of cutie I just thought it was so cute it was a really cute angle I wanted them to get together I was totally invested <laughs> in this storyline just from that little moment well, while you were attracted but to Samman got in there. While you were attracted to Kevin Kelly, I was very much into Ariel. <laughs> oh, do you know what you just said? What was that? While I was attracted to Kevin Kelly. <laughs> well, you are. And, I am. And Kelly, yeah. and Kelly Kelly. I was very much uh, an Ariel man. It, it will come as no surprise to you mm. that I was very attracted to Ariel in 2006. I worked with a guy in broadcast transmission, which is a very like engineering-based uh, sort of sector. So you get lots of guys who are very much into their engineering side and, and systems. But one guy, uh, I, I don't know how I got chatting with him about this. There are a lot of long night shifts. Mm -hmm. And he told me that his... I didn't ask. <laughs> he told me that his fetish was uh, vampire girls and vampire girls having blood on their bosoms. Mm. And I was... Uh, because I Oh, that's it. Because it came up because I was talking about wrestling. And he was like, do you know Ariel? And I was like, Oh, what? wow, okay. And I was like, what? Uh, and I Googled it. I was like, oh, yeah, that was like the Kevin Thorne's accomplice person. He was like, yeah, because, you know, I really like this sort of stuff. And she's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we very rarely get a mainstream. Apparently it's a big thing. Well, they don't get any mainstream appeal. Yeah, like well, these, uh, this, this sector of people who like blood on boobs so unfortunately it's african-americans asian-americans and people into vampirism oh, and yeah, they're just yeah, yeah. not represented in today's media stop red washing it <laughs> so yeah so thorn and uh, ariel follow vampirism uh, this gimmick was essentially created to appease the sci-fi network because that's the channel they were on <laughs> and they needed to have um let me get up a picture of them just so we can describe this <laughs> It's as bad as it sounds. They're not even cool-looking vampires. No, well, do you know they were meant to be packaged with Gangrel? Really? That was the idea. That, and I think they even filmed vignettes with Gangrel. Um, and they were going to be like, like a trio <laughs> of these sort of vampires. And then it just never really came to pass. And Gangrel eventually left. Gangrel, by the way, little quick update. Congratulations to Gangrel. He finally owns the trademark to his name. After many, many years, like 20 plus years he's been trying to get this, he now owns the copyright on his name. Well done, Gangrel. Well done, Gangrel. Uh, so, yeah, how would you describe this look? Thorne has slicked back long jet black hair. Yep. 
and he's got a, a goatee. Yes. Just the soul patch, or longer than the soul he patch. He looks down. like he would be an extra in that rave scene from The Matrix. Yeah, yeah. Um, although they... No, no, I disagree. What, in on a freaking... Zion no no the one where they go to the club in yes. the first movie and uh, they're doing the remix version of Rob Zombie's Dracula yes totally totally and uh, Ariel is a Harley Quinn well she she is what they were called uh, like she's a rockabilly chick she's gonna got that look about her she looks a bit like the lead singer of the horror pops um, which is obviously a cultural reference that everyone will understand. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, she's got so, like the, the big sort of bouffant hair and the, the corset, which is just pushing up her bosoms like to a ludicrous degree. These are just feats of engineering. Maybe that's why he liked it that in the in the sort of broadcast engineering sector. He just appreciated how these were held up. Mm. They are like joke boobs. Yes. They are so spherical. Like two globes have yeah, been attached to just, her chest. It's, I don't know how she wrestles with it. I, well, you, does, does she pain. wrestle though, Ollie? She wrestles more than Kelly Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Styles here starts to talk about bite clubs. <laughs> yes, he does. And uh, as awful as this all is, Taz goes, oh yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> and and uh, but Styles like, a bite club? He's, oh yeah, I go all the time, yeah, yeah. And it was just, he just the way his delivery was very funny. My favourite Taz line from this though, and this might be my line of the night, Taz, because Kevin Thorne, his gimmick is that he often just stares off into space like he's transfixed by something. And Taz says, and I quote, Kevin Thorne just stares off into space like he's looking into the moon. Although you can't see the moon because we're indoors. You get my point. <laughs> He's, like, I'm so glad he's become like a radio personality because yeah. that's the best place for him. Yeah, he just chats. He does just. He is so good at filling the dead air because <laughs> Joey gives up on this pay per view. He gives up trying to do any form of commentary, and Taz is just there. He's like, oh, I've got to fill. I've got to have dead air. I've mm. got to say something. Um, this match, <sighs> I think this really is the worst match on the show, and it's like yeah. the crowd allowed because. Ariel keeps getting up onto the second rope and bending over to to shout encouragement at Kevin Thorne in the ring, but she's barely wearing underwear, so the crowd reacts to it. Like it, it really is. It's 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 a very skimpy thong, and so it just looks like she's commando underneath. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, <laughs> but you, you couldn't do it these days. I've got. Oh, man. This match is ungodly boring. My note I've written here is, I've clicked so many links for research because I'd rather do that than watch this match. Research? Sure. I wanted to find out where everyone had gone. So I, um, I'm going to go to bat here for Knox because I liked Knox. I like the way he wrestled. I like he's just he's imposing physique. And when he's, when he, in his later... I think he only stayed around with WWE for a couple more years. But he was drafted for SmackDown, and for about three months, he had a gimmick where he knew everything about someone's anatomy. And he'd talk about how he's going to take them apart, like mm. that specific part of their body he's going to target. And he was awesome. I really got behind Mike Knox. Yeah. And then they got rid of him. Yeah, uh, Paul Heyman was a big fan of Mike Knox mm. as well. He thought he was going to be like a future main eventer for the ECW brand. But yeah, just, uh, I really don't think it helped when he was the first person eliminated in that horrendous Survivor Series match. 
that I think is 2006, actually. Got to get them over. Which was DX, The Hardys, and CM Punk versus... God, I think... Oh, God, who was it? Was it Miz and Morrison? Uh, Star power, that is. On Survivor Series 2006. And people wonder why I hate this era mm. of WWE. Um, let's see if it's this one. It's weird how everybody... It was, in fact. Team DX, uh, CM Punk, Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy, Shawn Michaels and Triple H uh, defeated Edge, Johnny Nitro, Mike Knox, Gregory Helms and Randy Orton in a 11 minutes and 30 where they didn't take a pinfall and they just eliminated all five heels and they were all five of them, the survivors. And Mike Knox gets eliminated in about 10 seconds of the match. Shawn Michaels just super kicks him, pins him, then turns to Triple H and says, Who's he? Oh and, my God. and CM Punk says he's on my brand and Sean essentially goes like what brand's that I mean that is funny it is it funny, is but, funny it but it buries everything yeah. <laughs> uh, the yeah, so everyone in this match is a heel <laughs> above Kelly, Kelly Kelly yeah who can't wrestle yeah um, Ariel is you know giving it a good old go but I'm not sure her dad's proud or her parents are happy <laughs> She's like, she's like she's she's like sort of doing the Harley Quinn moving around. She's never still, so at least she's trying to get. I just wish she was wearing trousers. Well, because it, it it's yeah. She keeps getting, and this is sort of you know testament as well to WWE. This being a WWE product rather than an ECW one, she keeps getting up onto the apron to show off her butt because that at least is getting a reaction. Because Mike Knox putting on a rest hold is not. But the camera never shows her doing it because they don't want to show too much. Mm. So Mike Knox has got a rest hold on and the crowd out of nowhere will go, way. That They would also cheer for when Kelly Kelly jumped up and down, I think. <laughs> uh, whatever they were cheering for, it wasn't Kevin Thorne and Mike Knox. Kelly tags in. Well, and Ariel, like, Ariel, Ariel blind tags. Ariel blind tags herself in and then she screams at Mike Knox to tag Kev- uh, Kevin Kelly. Kelly Kelly in. I, uh, here's a fun story for you. So I learned, not by being a wrestler, but by watching untrained wrestlers, how to spot someone who's not a very good wrestler. Mm. Um, so I, when I was at university, we had to do a documentary in our third year, and I was going to do it on a training school in Portsmouth, not like FWA, which is what I wanted to do, um, although I nearly filmed an FWA show because we were going to interview some of the people there, which I probably would have interviewed someone you and I are both connected to. Wow. And, but in the end, we, and I, I talked to this school, and they put on like very low indie, sh- you know, sending out to 30 people, you know, putting on these wrestling shows. And I went to one of their training sessions, which was in a, um, like a church, you know, like, you know, like, um, sort of a church sports hall yeah. type thing. And they had, you know, the mats you had in PE on the floor, and that's what they were training on. The thin blue ones. The thin blue ones that you kind of like slot together, mm. like Lego. And they had a guy there, and the, the guy who was the promoter and lead trainer he was telling me, he was like, oh, yeah, we've got big plans for this guy. He's going to basically be our raven. That's kind of what we've got. I've got this really cool character like planned out for him. And I chatted to him for ages about this. And then we went in to like, watch them do a training session. And this guy's stomps... The way he would do a stomp is that he would put his foot forward to do that, but it wouldn't go out very far, and he would lean back while he was doing it. So it looked like there was absolutely no impact going into the stomp whatsoever. Mm. And he looked like so unsure of himself. Like because he took one foot off the ground, he then didn't he was like lost his balance and yeah, he had to readdress yeah. himself. 
those are aerial stomps that she does in this match. <sighs> they are horrendously bad. And then, and that's been since I watched that. I'm like, that's how I know if someone's a bad wrestler. Mm. You got to look for their stomps and see how bad their stomps are. The stomps are the tell. Well, I wasn't looking at the stomps. Mm-hmm. I was looking at her romps, as was <laughs> everybody else, because she had a spot here where she put Kelly in the corner, and with one leg still standing, she sort of did the split in the air and put the other leg up on Kelly's throat. She does a chokehold with her foot. Exactly, and this. Reveals her butt once again, and the crowd love it. Yep, uh, it's very flexible. And credit to her, she then does it in all four corners, so everyone can see it and get mm. a pop. Um, although Taz had another great line here when talking about this, because he said it's unfair on Kelly Kelly being beaten up by someone. Um, his quote and uh, a direct quote here: "Kelly Kelly isn't a diva. I mean, she is a diva. She's not a wrestler." <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> Then Ariel cuts off Kelly from making a tag. Ariel does the boot thing, the crowd chant one more time. Yes. Just just for reference. Uh, And then Ariel does this sexy pose thing, like uh, she runs her hands down her body, then hits a standing elbow drop. And I just thought, how's that a vampire thing? (laughs) That's not even... You're not well. Like you, you, you just, you're just a a vixen. I want, just for reference as well. Wait a sec. She's not even a diva. No, she's not. She's a vixen. She's a vixen, Taz. Yeah. Like, Joey Styles, I'm almost certain says about three words this entire match because Taz is doing his best to fill for time, which is why he says stupid things like the way he does. Taz at one point begs Joey Styles to say something. He's <laughs> like, can you do some commentary, please? You've been very silent. And Joey's like, I don't know what to say. Mm. She's showing off her ass. What am I supposed to say? Uh, well, uh, now we get an actual like. I, I think this is a good angle. Uh, the Kelly goes to finally make the tag after she. I don't know. I can't even remember if she fought off Ariel, but Knox drops off the apron and walks away. That was his plan all along. Yeah, he, he set her up. Took that rest hold from <laughs> Kevin Thorne just to make her feel bad in a bit, and like Kelly's crying. It just it. She's a very good baby face in that respect, although I would hate her a few years later when she was the Divas champion. When she was the face of the division. Yeah, and she's always walking around with her hands up in the air. She's a pioneer of women's wrestling. And uh, the crowd are chanting for CM Punk because you're like, okay, CM Punk's going to come down and help her because that's the story they're telling. And and I was like, this is actually quite dramatic. I was really invested in Kelly Kelly uh, and Kevin and I thought Punk was going to come down and this was going to be like a... A nice time they finally get together. The couple that you want to see after the abusive boyfriend finally walks off. And then Ariel just sits on her face. <laughs> and wins. Joey Starr says, and I quote, Mercifully, this match is over. She sat on her face with a thong on. Yep. Um, and that's how she pinned her. It was, you know, like, uh, undeniably sexy, as our intro says. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Very exploitative. <laughs> it didn't make me feel nice, that. And also, it just... You, you think, okay, it was a terrible match. Ter- terrible. Really rubbish match. Punk didn't come out. The, the heels went over. And another heel victory. Mm. In fairness, she, you know, Kelly was the only babyface in the match. Kevin Thorne and Ariel just snog afterwards. And then they keep beating down uh, Ke- Kelly Kelly. And you're like, okay, well, now Punk's going to come down. 
Sandman's non-Metallica music hits. Yep. Uh, and he's in the crowd. Kevin acts. <laughs> Kevin Thorne acts like there's no escape. Bearing in mind that Sandman is way up high in the arena stands. Kevin Thorne looks around like, I've got no way out of here. Yeah. He, he just sort of stands there in the ring. And he's not moving fast. <laughs> I think I could, I could outrun Sandman in his prime. Oh, God. I mean, Easily. you want to talk about their filling for time here. They are wasting a lot of time with Sandman doing his entrance. Ariel and Kelly just vanish. They're not in this final bit. They just disappear. Yeah. And Sandman gets in, does his full entrance, crowd react to it, and then he just starts caning Thorn, including one unprotected to the head. He isn't done, he chases Kevin to the back and canes him right in the back of the head. He poses on the stage. And that was that. That was an awful use of nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, and uh, I guess Sandman looked better than he did at the One Night Stand shows. Mm-hmm. Like, he looked skinnier... In, in a sort of fitter way. Yeah. Um, but he's still still a very off-putting presence when he just gurgles all the beer. I love him to bits. I love but, him to bits. I mean, but, like, some, you want him to... He didn't fit in here. It yeah. felt gratu- it, gratuitous. Yeah. I, uh, I can't tell you a single main event of a WWE pay-per-view from 2007, but I can tell you that Sandman was in the ring when he wasn't supposed to be when Vince McMahon was revealing his illegitimate child because he had said world champion... And Sandman was supposed to leave, but because he'd been ECW world champion, he thought he was supposed to stay. And he was then, he was meant to have been long gone. So Vince Vince McMahon had to then think of new things to say for the Sandman to leave. Oh, bless him. (laughs) He just wouldn't get out of the ring. You know, he's a genius. Oh, yeah, he's he's a realtor. Like, he's got, he's loaded in terms of the money. And... Oh man, what a nice guy! Yeah. He does all of this because he just wants to spend time with his kid playing games. Yeah. Like he just loves playing video games with his son. What a nice guy! And that's why he does wrestling. No, no, it's why he like left wrestling because he he's got ah. all of his, he got all of his money in property because mm. he's an actual genius. I heard from a wrestler who once uh, went on a UK tour with Sandman and they were in the car like he was in the same car as him. And you know he's a bit. I'm sure everyone's got a friend like that. Common sense hasn't got much, but. Oh my god, are they so smart? Mm. And like they can just tell you everything and um, you know like maths problems, what's 160,000 times 492? Boom, there's the answer. That's like, 335. Yeah, like that level of insane intelligence. Yeah. And he's like he's a certified genius. His IQ is through the roof, but he's also the sandman. Yeah. So, there is a sentence in Brian Alvarez's Figure 4 online recap that I think will make you groan, because I didn't think I even knew this was a thing, but we'll get to that. Crowd was into Ariel shaking her ass. Ariel beat, uh, on her, uh, beat, Ariel beat on Kelly a bit more, then sat on her face and pinned her. Sandman's music played, and two dudes in the front row gave each other high fives and started waving their Sandman inflatable canes, which you can purchase exclusively at www.shop.com. They were selling inflatable canes. And people wonder why it's I hate... It's going to be inflatable canes. People wonder why I hate 2006 WWE. What's wrong with an inflatable cane? Oh, because that screams ECW, doesn't it? I think they should sell more inflatable <laughs> weapons on WWEs. That would be awesome. Or foam ones. A foam steel chair. Crowd was, that. Crowd was into him like he was a superstar. He destroyed the vampire with the hardest cane shots you ever saw, and the place went nuts with ECW chance. Brian Alvarez does not even give that match a rating. I um, don't think the crowd went nuts, though. Uh, Pro Wrestling Torch said the match was a dud. 
they thought it was the worst match on the show. Yeah. I mean, it's if Ed, you could pick four of these matches and say it was the worst match on the show. And I'm, I'm not going to go, well, I strongly disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say there's four viable contenders for that. I thought this was the worst match on the show. Yeah, I think I'd agree. Yeah. yeah. Although I really didn't like the, the Bulls half of things with Stryker but Stryker made up for it yeah so uh, Ariel was released from WWE in May 2007 and she blamed it on a confrontation with Batista Mm-hmm. So here's a quote from Ariel. Uh, Batista and I had an aggressive conversation backstage, and he ha- he said something that were unnecessary and uncalled for. If it was outside of wrestling, I'm pretty sure it could have been legal problem for both Batista and WWE. But this is wrestling, and it's a man's business, so they fired back, and they fired me. I was just a vampire girl in the fake ECW. He was Batista, and they wanted to accommodate him. Mm. She went to TNA. This I have no memory of whatsoever. And I was a hardcore TNA fan at this point. She went to TNA. She was part of the Latin American Exchange. She was part of LAX. I have no memory of this whatsoever. Um, She retired from wrestling in May 2017 and went into doing softcore porn. Uh, Perhaps most famously, she was part of that Rebel match in TNA. The one from, was it last year? Oh my God, the one... Yeah, the, yeah. the worst match ever recorded in the world of professional wrestling. It was a few, I thought it was a few years it ago. It might have been a few years ago. I can remember it was last year or the year before. Yeah. The one where she shouts, my vagina hurts. Oh, man. Oh, that's a depressing yep. end. Mike Knox. I, I, I was hoping you'd say, and now she's got a restaurant business. <laughs> well, she does softcore porn. She's happy doing yeah, that. I so. Is she? Well, I would assume so. It's her company. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Mike That's empowering. No- That's good. Yeah. Mike Knox was released uh, from WWE in 2010. He went to TNA as part of the Aces and Eights angle, and he also worked for Anoki's company. lost every week. He did indeed. It really does feel like in this period, they left WWE in 20 blank and went to TNA. It, was just, it seems to be the standard. Um, okay, right. I, I haven't played a video package at this point yet, but I am going to... I'm not playing a video package yet, but I am going to play... The upcoming interview <laughs> between Bobby Lashley and someone called Rebecca. Ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Lashley. Bobby, it seems as though ever since you got to ECW, Paul Heyman's had it in for you. Last week was no exception. Let's take a look. Lashley and the largest athlete in the world, the Big Show. I understand it's every man for himself. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Oh my God, the power of Bobby Lashley! Bobby Lashley is explosive. One man, one mission. ECW World Champion. Wait, what the hell is this? It's the Goon Squad. Here comes Paul Hammond's personal Holy Well, Goodbye. Oh man, what a throw! What is this? Oh! It's now five balls one if you want to count him as a whole man. Let's just get softened up. Oh my god, no! Oh! Get the one you want! Get the one you need! I got it! One! Two! Hardcore Holly added to the Extreme Elimination Chamber. Do you think you can overcome the odds? Overcome the odds? I don't give a damn what Paul Heyman throws at me. 
Because there's not anyone or anything that's going to stop me. One man, one mission. ECW World Champion. <laughs> Who the oh hell? <laughs> so I was, She's drunk. I was She's watching, drunk, surely. I was watching this show. I was watching this show in the office, and WrestleTyke Andy Datsun was sat behind me, and I had my headphones on while I was listening to this. I just burst out laughing when she did her interview. <laughs> And the, Andy turned around and was like, what is so funny? I was like, you've got to watch this interview. She just spoke like this. She's so wooden. You've got far too much inflection in your words there. She is ungodly wooden. She's really wooden and slurs all her words. Yeah, it's amazing. Her turn. Okay, here is her direct quote. Bobby Lashley, ever since you've come into ECW, Paul Heyman has had it in for you. Let's take a look. And then they show the video recap package. <laughs> And now tonight, Hardcore Holly has been added to the match. Do you think you can overcome the odds? Do you think you can overcome the odds? Who is this woman? So, I suppose if you haven't watched the pay-per-view listeners, you might have heard that clip and gone, well, how the hell did she get a job as an interviewer backstage for the ECW relaunch? Oh, you looked into who she was as well? No, you just have to watch the clip in video form, <laughs> and you see that she has an open boob dress on with big ample bosoms, and she's an attractive lady. So you'll be very unsurprised to hear. Uh, Rebecca DiPietro was a Playboy model and a Diva Search contestant. I got this all from Wikipedia. Uh, she went to Deep South and did some bikini contests. She also appeared on Cyber Sunday as a lumberjill she asked to be released. Clearly, Brian Alvarez was not a fan. Here's his quote from the uh, Rigor 4 online. Rebecca interviewed Lashley. I can't believe they let her back on TV. She's the last person to carry Lashley through an interview. <laughs> Yeah, because I think I came out of this going, man, Lashley was better at promos in those days. <laughs> no, it was just because there was Rebecca there. Oh, man, it was so funny. And we see Big Show walking backstage with Paul Heyman, Tess and Hardcore Holly and the Goon Squad. I've written down Proto Shield. <laughs> nice. And that does bring us to our main event. It's going to be our first proper video package of the evening. It's the main event of the Extreme Elimination Chamber. It's The Big Show versus Bobby Lashley versus Rob Van Dam versus CM Punk versus Test versus Hardcore Holly. Ooh, the star power in the <laughs> Elimination Chamber for the ECW Championship. For the very first time ever, ECW will present the Extreme Elimination Chamber. Six men torturing their souls, all in the name of the ECW world title. The most extreme match in history. The chamber now filled with weapons. No man will leave unscathed. One champion, me, the Big Show. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five challengers. And I like the odds, because no one can beat me. One of these men will lead the Elimination Chamber as the champion. Lashley is impactful, quick, strong, dangerous. 
DM Buck. Of course, Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu background, but what's that going to mean inside a weapons-filled chamber? Rob Van Dam has been a very good little for a long time in ECW to put his body on the line. Test has been more aggressive, more focused, more ruthless than ever before. Sabu may be the only man on the planet who would actually feel at home in the Extreme Elimination Chamber. When the Big Show walks into that Extreme Elimination Chamber, that man is the favorite. Two miles of chain, 10 tons of steel, 36 feet in diameter. The most punishing structure ever devised. I have never seen anything as extreme or as hardcore as this sadistic structure. This is an extreme elimination chamber. It's about pushing yourself. Sacrificing their bodies. As far as you can. And then pushing yourself further. Endangering their very careers. I'm proud of my sacrifices. My face is going to be bloodied. And my body might be broken. All in the name of the Holy Grail itself. One man, one mission. I have to be ECW champion. I'm the next ECW champion. I'm winning the ECW world title in that chamber. There's not a man alive that can take this title from me in or out of that barbaric chamber. I mean, basically, that video package is there just to put over the dangers of the chamber rather than the people mm. who are going into it. Yeah, I thought the Rebecca video package did a better job of the story, which did get over Lashley versus Big Show. Which is the story of the evening, yeah. really. And uh, n- nobody else. Yep. And absolutely. how ha- Heyman's aligned with Show and Test, and now, of course, Hardcore Holly. But just to remind you of the actual story points, Heyman comes out here for a pre-match promo. (laughs) Because we've got to fill for time. Yeah. At this point, there are 40 minutes of this show remaining. Mm. So I thought to myself, okay, so they're going to give the chamber quite a bit of time then. No, because the next promo and and entrances take up a good 25 minutes of that 40 minute point of uh, that 40 minute time frame i knew all the times because after that opening tag match i was like what is the concept of time anymore <laughs> i don't know how long that match was so i looked on wikipedia and then i was like 20 20 minutes 22 minutes how long was the main event 24 minutes <laughs> yeah. uh, so- and bearing in mind there are five minute intervals between each person going in mm. Yeah, so Heyman comes out here, and this is so different from just a year and a half previously with his One Night Stand 2005 Oh, mate, tell me about it. And he, but he does, you know, it's Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman, half-arsing, heart not in it, it's still better than a large, like, 95% of anyone who's ever cut a wrestling promo. Mm-hmm. And he says, look, is going to die with Hogan. The woo thing will die with Ric Flair but ECW will live beyond my death and then like then he says six of the top athletes in ECW compete and then some guy says where's the franchise <laughs> <laughs> like the, you can see this one guy this one guy is is being picked up by the mic he stood right next to that camera being picked up by the onboard mic mm. they cannot shut him up and then Heyman says how Sabu's been replaced and the crowd uh, chant B 
Yeah. I know he did the right sense of the wrong thing. Bullless. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the, so the crowd boo that. And uh, he says that the days of Sabu, Sandman, and Rob Van Dam have come to an end. He says that ECW would be led by the big show. And one guy shouts out, he's going to retire next year. <laughs> it's the same guy. I I saw- so I think, like, I think this is a, a very interesting story. I think this this has legs for Heyman to say all of the like Heyman's a heel now, and to do that you turn on ECW. Yeah. Unfortunately, you need an ECW to turn on, and they don't. They've got a WWE impression of ECW. So when he says like when he gets behind all these guys like Test and Hardcore Holly and Big Show, and he starts saying, "Hey, look, RVD, Sandman, Sabu, they're not." They, they can't be a global phenomenon. These guys can. They look like stars. That's a great idea for when CM Punk wins the title. Yes. But that is not... In, in fact, it's very fascinating because he's essentially doing a WWE parody in, in a WWE company. Mm. Yeah. That's how that would play out. But that's not what happened because WWE didn't get the parody <laughs> and became a parody of themselves. Yeah. Um, and so that one guy who shouted the Big Show is going to retire next year. He's not wrong. Big Show did retire. We did leave <laughs> next, the following year, but you, you had no idea that he would come back and have a few more matches in 2018 and be aligned with the bar for you know, three weeks or whatever that storyline was. So Big Show comes out first. CM Punk's out next. And it is taking forever ever for these people mm. to get inside the chamber it just it really feels like they're just trying to waste time test comes out to crickets i feel like they they took a lot longer than normal to lower the chamber they're trying to fill for time yeah because in theory wwe pay-per-views in this period when three hours it was always a minimum that your pay-per-view would go three hours and it would never go a minute past you were always getting your three hours worth for your 40 dollars so brian alvarez in his review is just like there's an hour and a bit left of this show. What are they going to do? Mm. And that's when it really feels like they're just stalling for time with their cage, lowering, and then people just looking at the chamber when they get in. You hear so much of people's entrance music. It's unbelievable. Yeah, but Tess comes out to absolute crickets. <laughs> he doesn't feel like an ECW wrestler. Oh, my God, doesn't he just. Uh, Lashley comes out next. Big Show is very upset to see him. Hardcore Holly comes out. Styles wants to know why Hardcore Holly was already in his ring gear. And then RVD comes out last. All told, it took 20 minutes. Are you serious? For Heyman's promo and all of those entrances, it took the same amount of time as the opening tag match, basically. Whoa. And that opening tag match did go long. (laughs) So um, we've got to talk about the weapons. The weapons. Let's talk about these weapons. So this is no elimination chamber match. This is an extreme elimination chamber match. Taz cannot believe. With each chamber having a different weapon. So when Big Show gets in, he's got the barbed wire baseball bat. He puts that in his chamber. CM Punk grabs a chair. Tess gets the crowbar. Bobby Lashley gets in. There's a table in his chamber. <laughs> <laughs> Looks cramped in there. I know. <laughs> they literally was like, we haven't got any other weapons that we can use. Yeah. I guess a table's going to have to go. We can't put a ladder in there. It won't fit. I just, it, would, it looked really stupid. <laughs> I know. Lashley looked so uncomfortable in that yeah. chamber. Is this, is this the worst chamber match ever? Possibly, yeah. Because it, in terms of booking as well, because it's yeah. not just like a clunky match and a because boring some one. Some bits, some bits are fun. Like you're always going to get a good spot in a chamber yeah, match totally. by accident. But yeah, the booking was, 
was bad. They're, they're, they're okay. looking with the wrong people. Because I think yes. some of those spots could have worked with different I mean, people. there is one moment in this match that I find utterly perplexing. Mm. Uh, which I suppose we'll get to in a little bit. But RVD and Hardcore Holly start off this match. Um, and I've written here five minutes of Holly and RVD. Oh, joy. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is one spot where RVD does his rolling thunder. Like, and so Hardcore Holly's on the outside of the chamber, outside the ring, and on like the chain link bit. And he's laying there, and RVD runs against the ropes, and he runs back to do his rolling thunder. But he flips over the top rope to land on Hardcore Holly with all of his weight Oof. on Hardcore Holly against that mesh. I am guaranteeing you that was not Hardcore Holly selling. He was genuinely in pain and genuinely yeah. hurt. Because he he's got this look on his face that was like, I don't want to be here. Mm. This is, get me out of this chamber as quickly as possible. Hey, none of us wanted you to be there either, Hardcore Holly. <laughs> we wanted Sabu in this match. Yeah, uh, th- th- there's, some, there's some good spots. Like, uh, Holly dodges an RVD jump, so RVD just grabs the chains. Uh, oh, he's like a goddamn video game. He's like <laughs> Spider-Man up there. Uh, Holly suplexes RVD back in over the top rope, a near fall. And then the the, the the counter starts to count down. <laughs> and it goes... It's the Jaws music. Volta's coming in. God, I would love Walter to just come in, rip that cage door off and just start oh, yeah. chopping their crap out of everyone. Abbots. Abbots, mate. Uh, so the crowd are chanting for CM Punk. And it is CM Punk. He's out next. Yeah, and he, he's he got the chair. He throws it right at Hardcore <laughs> Holly's head. Right in his face. <laughs> That's the first thing. People complain that Punk was stiff. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. just <laughs> this chair into Hardcore Nobody Holly's face. Nobody wants you here. <laughs> he just throws it right in his face. And oh, my God, it's so funny. Then does a springboard forearm right on RVD. And the crowd are into this. Yes. The cr- RVD and CM Punk, who wouldn't be? The crowd, for the first time, apart from Ariel, but sounds like they're into something happening on this pay-per-view and it's Rob Van Dam and it's CM Punk these are the two guys that this crowd want to see wrestle well you know if this match was good and it created a new star off of it and really was more faithful to the the ECW tone then this could have been people won't be talking about how crap the undercard was they'll say man Elimination Chamber, uh, sorry, ECW Dismember, December, December to, to Dismember. What a main event. What a main event. And RVD throws a chair right into CM Punk's head, unprotected, of course, and does a monkey flip onto the chair, which Oof. doesn't quite work, and the crowd chant UF'd up at him. And then Punk leg drops RVD into the chair. That was a really cool spot. And yeah. RVD is busted open, and it only gets worse for RVD in this. Uh, Punk throws RVD into the chair in the corner. Really really hard hmm. makes such a clattering sound uh, Holly throws Punk into the chamber and there's a side slam uh, superplexed by Holly to Punk and the crowd chant for RVD and then RVD boots Punk right in the face and then we get these a, three were having a really good exchange a, Holly uh, yeah, Punk and I was really enjoying it yeah, yeah. I thought it was it was really good and then Test comes out with a crowbar. So Tet, the story is that Test is working with Hardcore Holly and the Big, Big Show. Show to make sure that Big Show wins. So despite the fact that two guys are in there to possibly win the championship, they want Big Show to retain because they're working for Paul Heyman. Mm. So the first thing that Test does when he gets in is he boots Hardcore Holly right in the face. 
does he? Is that right, or have I have I skipped I, a step? I'm gonna oh no, you're right. No, go straight for Rob Van Dam's wound with the sharp edge of the crowbar. That's right. God, I've, I've skipped. skipped. I've skipped. I've there. skipped a bit. I've actually, that does happen. I've actually skipped the dumbest moment of this pay per view. Yeah, I think. I don't blame you. So Rob Van Dam uh, gets like comes back with a chair and hit and test with it, and then he hits Hardcore Holly. Then does a running drop kick with a chair on Punk in the corner. ECW chance. And then pins Punk. Yeah, he hits the five-star frog splash and pins him. And the crowd boo as they realize that Punk... Because like they, as soon as he goes to hit the five-star like frog splash, they boo because they're like, uh-oh, he's going to pin Punk. And he does. Yeah. And the crowd boo that. Why on earth would you have Rob Van Dam pin CM Punk? Where is the logic in that? Yeah, considering you've got the heel faction in there. There's two of them there! Why would you have Rob Van Dam do it? That's why it makes me think it's a Vince, like this is all Vince. Oh man, it's remarkable. Because then the crowd just turn off the match. As I think they figured, well, Rob's not winning this. Clearly, Bobby Lashley is winning this thing. Uh, RVD is bleeding a gusher at this point. And Test, um, like when Test has got the crowbar, his breathing is scarier than the weapon itself. <sighs> because he's not like the whole idea is that he's like he's opening up the wound with the crowbar but really what he's doing is just placing it against rob's <laughs> head as gently as possible while going ah, <laughs> and it is just like this looks rubbish and you are rubbish the flexing of my muscles will make it harder <laughs> Yeah, okay, so this is where we get the spot. Yes. Test teases uh, booting RVD and he hits Holly instead and pins him, question mark. The referee did not count three, but Holly is out of this match. Yeah, Holly gets her shoulder up. I don't think he does. I think it was meant to be the three. Uh, I've written down here that he gets... he gets Because I, I rewatched this because I was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> it looks to me like Holly... He must have been knocked silly at some point. And he just gets his shoulder slightly up. And the referee stops the count because he meant to call it like a shoot. And then he's like, uh, Holly's eliminated everybody. Yeah, he goes like, oh, no, he's out of here. He's yeah. out of here. So this match just completely falls apart. They do say that that, like, that Holly kicked out. But I mean, I, I just thought that the referee didn't count mm. to three and then realized he was supposed to. Um, so it's down to RVD and Test are still in the ring. Uh, RVD gives Big Show the finger as he climbs up on top of his pod. Why would you do that, Rob? Because Show then just grabs RVD's boot uh, and Test cracks him with a couple of chair shots, including one to the head, throws RVD off the pod and hits an elbow drop from the top of the pod with a steel chair to the head of RVD and eliminates him. Good spot. Good spot, but the crowd realized that the two people they were into in this match are now gone. And it's all about Bubbles Lashley overcoming Test. the odds of Test and, and the show. Big Show. And the crowd really start to boo this match and chant BS. So yeah, so here we are. We're down to Test, Big Show, and Bobby Lashley. Gee, I wonder who's winning here. Um, Taz says the weapons are making this match worse, but are they? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure they are. Crowd are chanting for a refund. Lashley finally gets out. The crowd boo. Look, Lashley, by the way... You know when people are in their chamber and they sell emotions like they're either scared or they're angry, they're going to do something to someone? Lashley was so wooden. I mean, it's probably quite fitting he was in there with the table. <laughs> he was asking Rebecca backstage, how should I act yeah, when I'm yeah. in this chamber? You seem like you've got a handle on charisma. <laughs> you were in Playboy. You know what it's like to make things seem cool. Uh, but the Boon Squad, uh, the Boon Squad, the Goon Squad, like, attack the referee and they trap Lashley in his pods. I'm not... 100% sure why. Mm. Um, they technically have the advantage. 
Um, but I suppose they don't in the end, really, because like Lashley somehow, this is odd. He somehow uses the table to break chains at the top of his pods. Yeah. So he he drives the table up through the the chains. These chains that are like unbreakable <coughs> chains. They you know it's the the made in hell or whatever it is they'd say about this chamber. But Lashley somehow breaks through with a table. Yeah, tables that are very flimsy. Yep. Maybe got one of those tough ones that never breaks. <laughs> Maybe. I uh, I mean we shouldn't look past the how bad Lashley's acting was when he was looking around his chamber to figure out a way out. <laughs> yep. Oh, how do I get out of here? What do I do next? He just looks so dumb. Oh my god, he does look so dumb. And eventually he gets out and then just starts whipping test hither and yonder. The crowd were impressed. I cannot believe mildly. I cannot believe that some of the crowd were chanting EC dub to all of this. Mm. And it is a very small portion of this. But Test somehow makes a comeback. Lashley boots a chair into his face as the crowd chant, You both suck. He crows bars him in the stomach and pins him. It's now just Lashley and Big Show, but we've got to wait for a whole minute before the Big Show gets in. I, I like that. Well, like, I think that's a good little spot. It builds, supposed to build the tension if we're into it. And Big Show's getting advice from Heyman through the chain. I like this because yeah. Heyman is selling this. He is trying his darndest to make this seem like it's a big deal. He is shouting at him that Lashley is not a man. You cannot go in there and wrestle him like a man. You've got to wrestle him like he's a monster. Like, really putting mm. over that Big Show is in trouble here. So I think they... It, it, Credit to Heyman. He's trying his hardest to make this work. And Lashley actually shows some fire as well. Because he just he gets a table and he lobs it at Big Show's chamber. Same with a chair. like that, And it clatters off the, yeah. the Perspex thing. And I'm like, if that shatters... Big Show is just like has a broken face. Well, you say that, but it's like perspex glass. It's all like one thing. It would just mm. pop out. Yeah, yeah. But well, I mean, <laughs> you just saw what happened to those chains. <laughs> You're right. That table is reinforced. Yeah. Uh, Big Show finally gets out and he's got a barbed war baseball bat. The crowd chant for TNA. Uh, Lashley starts to wail the bat into Lashley's chair. He's like sort of protecting himself. And then the bat gets caught in the chamber so that Lashley can take over. He is pure Bobby Splashley at this point as well. He's dripping in sweat. Very sweaty man. He throws Big Show through the pod and Big Show is busted open. Um, Big Show sort of busts himself out of the other side, which makes Lashley throwing him into the pod less impressive. Show <laughs> um, <laughs> starts beeling Lashley around the ring. Heyman is louder than the crowd. Show sets up for the chokeslam, but Lashley DDTs him. He bodges some, it bodges, he dodges some punches, then hits the spear, and he wins. Lashley just wins. Yeah. It did get a pop, to be fair, because they saw a title change, but it didn't... I don't know, man. Lashley's spear, he ran off two ropes. Yeah, he I always... I, li I like that. The, I uh, that cool aesthetically. The, the Roman Reigns one to The Undertaker. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Taz said, we witnessed history here tonight. Yeah. We sure did. Heyman's last ever ECW show it certainly was Pyro goes off for Bobby Lashley it's like Roman Reigns but 12 years ago mm. um, figure four would say CM Punk who worked his ass off was the most over guy in the show so of course he ended up being eliminated first they were irate when RVD got eliminated and they hated Lashley and were booing him against Big Show they did pop a bit when they saw a title probably because they saw a quote world's title change right here in the James Brown arena the best action of the night was said to be after the show when a group of punks and a group of rednecks got into a fight show ended at two hours and 17 minutes that was 39 dollars and 95 cents 
two and a half stars from Brian Alvarez oh, for the main event. For the main events. Uh, Pro Wrestling Torch would say the event was such a letdown overall that it's really dampened the mood and thus the occasion of Lashley winning the title. Three and a quarter stars from Wade Keller. Mm. I mean, the Elimination Chamber match is always impressive and uh, it's hard to have anything under a two and a half star match if you're in the Chamber. But just with the booking and knowing what went down afterwards, I, I don't think you can give that anything above two in the cold, hard light of hindsight. Mm. But overall, man, just what a what a, a crap show. Yeah, it was awful. A like, really, really bad and boring show. And in every conceivable way, it was bad and boring. Like, bad, really bad booking. Yep. Really bad wrestling. Mm-hmm. Really uncomfortable stuff that went on at some points. Yep. Uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was crap. Uh, uh, it's easily... Lacking the, star power. It's no build. Easily the worst show we have done in this run of Wrestle Ramble Extra. Oh, yeah. There's nothing the salvageable. Absolutely, there is nothing salvageable about it. When and Matt Stryker's teacher gimmick, being able to fit in to 2018 mid-card Raw, is the only positive. That's an indictment. Well, an aerial. Um, we. You love <laughs> it. It, yeah, it's a, it's a really bad show. It completely killed the ECW brand. It really cemented it as third rate. It it never recovered from this. Paul Heyman was out the door. Um, not completely gone from the company though because he had dual contracts you know he was an on-screen performer and a backstage talent so he was I think he was still around for a little bit but mm. yeah, he was not long for the he was completely ousted from ECW and Vince McMahon took over because he wanted and that and essentially after this the ECW champion Bobby Lashley moves up to the main roster because Vince wanted him on Raw and Vince then starts feuding with Bobby Lashley over the ECW championship that was his big plan to revive this brand it didn't work. Use a McMahon. Oh, always. That's, that's it's always the answer, one. Ollie. You, yeah. you just use a McMahon. Not a great show, um, and I'm just glad it will never be voted for again. Yeah, great pick, guys. <laughs> Good work, Dan. Uh, so that. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, very much for being a Patreon. Hopefully, we'll have something better to do in January. Could be a Royal Rumble. Could be a Wrestle Kingdom. Could be a TNA show. We had fun last time. We did one of those. Anyway, we'll see you next time. Take care. I love you. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Goodbye.